0: Take one,
1: the doobly do.
0: <laughs> Who wrote the doobly do? I, th- I might want to adopt that, like rather than uh, than saying the episode description because that's boring.
1: Who wrote the doobly
0: doo You know, like and you'll find links and stuff in the doobly do. Oh, do. Is it,
1: it doodly do? I think it's
0: there's there's variations. Or I kind of like doobly do better. <laughs>
1: But what it just means in the doobly thingy, it's just like in the thingy eating
0: Yeah, like in the in the descriptory space block thing. Oh
1: my God, if I Google Doobly-Doo, it says Doobly-Doo YouTube comes up and then Doobly-Doo yeah. Song.
0: The Doobly-Doo Song.
1: So is it always the same person? Doobly-Doo, Urban Dictionary. The term refers to the video description box on yeah. YouTube.
0: Yeah. So that's a literal thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a whole thing.
1: The doobly-doo is this box which contains information about the video, links, and tags. Used to be universally referred to as the sidebar, since it often appeared beside videos. But Craig Benzine, also known as Wheezy Waiter. <laughs> God.
0: Oh, gee. I've never felt so
1: old in my life.
0: Internet history.
1: Started referring to it as the doobly-doo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Other YouTubers, such as John Green, part of the Vlog Brothers, and Dan Vlog, the yeah. Vlog Brothers, <laughs> and Dan Brown started to also call the sidebar the doobly doo using mm. Wheezy Waiter's terminology. The term is now widely used on YouTube. Yeah. So the sidebar is—I don't even know what the sidebar means.
0: The sidebar, like it's—it's it's just the details. It's the. The deets.
1: details are below. They're not on the side.
0: I feel like uh, maybe in a past era, like before the YouTuber days.
1: I'm pulling up YouTube right now, and I mean, you point they're to me, not, yeah. tell me what the sidebar yeah, is. Yeah, but the
0: interface for YouTube has changed drastically over the years.
1: Really? Has yeah. it? Because I don't Oh, don't know I, think so. I guess this article is mm-hmm. from 2009. <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> Do we include slurping Get sounds that. from drinks? We should. I don't know. Just...
1: Get that throat coat in. And we just lost everyone.
0: (laughs) Everybody's gone.
1: So you know what is on my mind kind of lately? What? Yesterday I was at this thing, which cheers, by the way, if you hear Jay's ice clinking, it's because he poured us some nice whiskey.
0: This is uh, is the whiskey my dad got me for my birthday.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's delicious, thanks, Dad. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, so this sponsored oh, this right. episode.
0: Yes. Yay. This episode of Reality Quest is sponsored by Woodford Reserve Double Oaked Whiskey. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And those those cool silicone ice square ice things that you got the ice cube out of.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Was oh, it right? <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. So this is the most tipster possible thing that I could be doing oh, right God. now. But I I was subscribed to Bespoke Post, um, which. Okay. Is super hipster, but it's also like actually like really interesting stuff. Like they have this, um, wow, God, what is this called? What are, what are, um,
1: the glass? What the, are you not the glasses? For?
0: There's, there's like whiskey glasses here, and there's these giant ice cubes that I got. And then yeah. it also, it was a set that came with a not a, uh, the holder. Oh, the glass, the glass. Thing? Yeah. It's, it's for holding your whiskey or, or oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, it's not a carafe. That's for tea. Um, or I always for forget wine. this name.
1: Whiskey holder. Let's see what comes yeah. up. Uh, oh. Oh. Um, decanter? It's a decanter. God. That's for oh. wine, too. Why are you I, so frustrated I'm, by that, man? I'm just calm down. That,
0: that word, like literally you the You just last. can never
1: think of decanter. Yes. Oh, every I know what time you
0: mean. I'm trying to think of, oh, yeah, I got this thing, and I can never think of the word decanter. Decanter. What is
1: that about? I'm so, honestly, I want to just talk about memory, but.
0: Memory? We can do that another oh. time,
1: but why? Why do we forget? Why is there <sighs> the same with the same word? You tend to be blocked by it.
0: I don't know. I you feel know what like I'm talking it, about. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's
1: basically what you just said.
0: Yeah, it's that is exactly what what's been happening. It's that particular word. I know there's a number of words like that in my vocabulary that always are really hard for me to recall on on like when I want them right. intentionally to. And, or, and I wonder blah,
1: blah. how much <laughs> that has to do with the more you're blocked by something, the more panicky you get when you're trying yes. to remember it.
0: I think that's exactly uh, why this happens is because you start to associate a little bit of stress and anxiety around recalling that word. Yeah. And I, I think I'm anticipating when I get to a sentence and I'm like, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that word. I better remember it. Right. Fuck, I can't remember the
1: word. Yeah. It's like you set yourself up for failure.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it totally is. That happens all the time.
1: Okay. So... The thing that's been on my mind, which is... Oh, by the way, welcome to Reality Quest, everyone. <laughs> welcome,
2: welcome back. Welcome back. This is a yeah. Thoughts
1: on Thoughts episode, which means Jay and I chat about things on our mind sometimes that is related to the previous episode we released.
0: Some of it definitely will be.
1: And then we do our own adventure related to yeah, that. It's typically yeah. inspired by the previous episode. Yeah,
0: it's just like mental spelunking into the minds of Kelly and Jay.
1: I love the word spelunking. spelunking. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually has nothing to do with the topics of today, but because it was on my mind recently, I was at a bachelor watching thing yesterday, a
0: ba- like a a a, ga- a bachelor gathering. Yes, uh, Batch Nation, uh, a batch represent. a batch commune. Ba- uh co- sure. <laughs> I don't know what do you call that? Sure. <laughs> I have not jumped onto that wave.
1: Anyways, myself, I was but... referencing this person who is on who was previously on The Bachelor. And I said, you know, that person couldn't remember her name. And I said, she has a podcast. Mm -hmm. And somebody's reaction was an eye roll with everybody has a podcast now.
0: (laughs) Just like, okay. I mean, you know, whatever. Well, so,
1: but I think that was interesting because I think she was probably referring to the fact that all of The Bachelor people have podcasts. But I've also, a, a lot of them do not everyone. But some of them will end up having podcasts. They right. have, they build their own brands. They're human yeah, beings. Yeah, they're,
0: they're public figures at this point because right. they're being watched yeah, every Yeah, so they week. can kind
1: of do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> and as we all can, as a reminder.
0: Oh, yeah. We, we all are allowed to do right. whatever the fuck we want. So, I But I
1: heard this from other people too. And everyone, I don't know, I think you and I talked about it in the beginning when we started talking to people about the fact that we were doing a podcast and I feel like I got a lot of eye rolls from a lot of people really? about podcasts in general mm. and then also doing a podcast in the VR industry. It's like, oh, my God. Eye rolls
0: for both? Like a double e- roll?
1: A double eye roll. Double if eye If I roll. may.
0: A two-eyed roll.
1: <laughs> so that gave me pause. Of course, it annoyed the shit out of me in the beginning because I was like, yeah. okay,
0: maybe I shouldn't do it then. Immediate imposter syndrome attack.
1: Right. But here's here's my, my griping. So... People can, everyone can have a website, everyone can have a blog, and for some reason, when it comes to YouTubing and podcasts, everyone's like pissed off that anyone like, can do it.
0: I feel like blogs also are in that same bag.
1: What do you mean? That people get annoyed by it?
0: Yes. Uh Only... <laughs> That people often get irritated when, or just kind of like personally frustrated, maybe that they're not. Uh, this is <laughs> this could be very judgmental sounding, but I feel like it often stems from uh, a little bit of like self conscientiousness that, you know, like, it's associated with people being very egotistical or like overly confident or over sure of themselves to the point where you're like. The things I have to say have value and people want to hear what I have to say. Right. Um, you don't have to have that attitude, obviously. like I think we've been really trying to avoid that sort of talk, but I don't know. I I haven't really picked that apart myself.
1: I think that there's something to that and it makes me want to pick it apart because yeah. on the one hand, I totally get where people are coming from. And on the other hand, I just think, well, who the fuck cares? Like, why are you so upset about it? You could make a statement that there's a difference between saying, wow, podcasts have really blown up lately. A lot of people have them. Compared to, oh, my God, everybody has a podcast now. Or, oh, my God, everybody's a YouTuber. It's like, okay, what's your personal problem with that?
0: So, well, okay, maybe let's step back and look at this from, like, the pro cons real quick. So... What is the downside of everybody and their mother having a podcast or a blog or writing their own book or whatever?
1: The downside for me is that I have too many options, the same as on Netflix. it's, it's I'm inundated with options of great things to listen to.
0: <laughs> well, great things sometimes and many shitty things right but who cares if it's shitty it's like
1: anything else if i try a new music or i try a new show and i don't like it i move on i don't get angry at that person (laughs) for having the gall to put that out there
0: for for stepping outside of their comfort zone and being like i'm gonna i'm gonna put some sort of content and material out i'm gonna do that thing
1: right like spotify comes out i'm like ugh. You think you can make music, too? Oh, yeah, God. Like, there's every there's time. so
0: many musicians. There's so many <laughs> artists out there. It's just too much. Too much good music.
1: Like, how many movies and shows are there? I mean, <laughs> honestly. and Nobody's think, like, oh, how, how on earth? Why is everyone making a show now?
0: I think yeah. Wired actually published. Uh, well, published. <laughs> it's, it was not that official. It was an Instagram post. <laughs> it's totally just an instagram post that was like we basically there was somebody counted it up and there's like 627 hundred thousand uh shows like official tv show type programming to watch or channels whatever yeah if you want to collect from all the different networks and whatnot together so there's never been more of a problem of having too many things to watch but i don't I don't feel like that's a problem.
1: <laughs> I think that the difference is that when it comes to TV shows and musicians, there's a distance there where somebody who's listening to that or or watching something, they mm-hmm. think those people have been approved by somebody because oftentimes it's going through some sort of producer or distribution company yeah. where they feel like people, everyone, if everybody can podcast, there is some sort of like some people deserve that and some people don't feeling yeah of like how dare you feel that you can that you can put yourself out there you
0: deserve to be on a public pedestal like that
1: right i had this recent conversation this person i'm working with is a professional copywriter also a a screenwriter and Mm. he feels very frustrated by everyone feeling like they can write and, of course, we There's all a, do. Uh, we all feel like we can write. We all feel like we can. It's the same thing with UX design. A lot of people think they can be a designer when it comes to making with, decisions. It's
0: the same thing with programming. We had this conversation with Michael about C, C uh, just the C programming language in general, C++, whatever, these like low-level programming languages versus when languages like JavaScript come along and it's really accessible because it's in every browser and everybody is able to jump on there and start poking around the the smaller originals like the niche groups the tribes that got started earlier and maybe they feel like objectively they had to put more effort into learning those things they feel there's like a pride and ego associated with that and so i feel like that that happens in every single area whether it's you perceive it as somebody that you're not like like people on tv shows or celebrities somehow they earned that space and if everybody is able to jump on and make a podcast or a YouTube channel, it somehow from that perspective, it like devalues what it means to be a public celebrity or figure or whatever.
1: Right, which that whole concept of earning, Mm -hmm. who really defines that? I think this is the difference because let's talk about with movies. If So previously in Hollywood, it was all through production companies. And now there's various things that people can do on their cell phones and then just throw it up on YouTube if they wanted to. Like I can take a
0: 4K 120 hertz video you on my phone right now.
1: Same thing with books. You can self-publish. And so there's this old world of going through a third party are going through some sort of professional publisher and distributor who yeah. basically says, "Yes, I'm willing to invest in you." Mm-hmm. And I want I think your brand aligns with mine. There's somebody that's basically giving them the stamp of approval. But now in any type of area where it becomes extremely accessible, like with creating your own websites or blogs or being able to podcast now or putting a video up on YouTube, Suddenly the question is well how who approves this person because they didn't go through some proper mechanism.
0: Right they didn't they didn't earn it somehow by going through the the normal tribulations right. or at least at that point in time the the traditions that were accepted as these are the obstacles you have to overcome right in order to meet that threshold. Yeah. But that I that's like this is such a fundamental human dynamic because it happens between the different generations too. Mm-hmm. When we look at uh, like past generations disparaging or, uh, you know, like shaming the newer generations for even something as simple as oh, yeah, back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways to go to work. It's like somehow that was earned uh, and more hard one than the easier thing that you're doing now, mm-hmm. and it's the same mentality when you're looking at like uh, these all these indie artists and uh, uh, filmographers or producers or whatever don't have to go through the same thing to be able to put their content out there, or you don't have to go through the same struggle to publish your writing or right. make a podcast, and somehow that means that they're less legitimate. Right. That means that they're not a real writer because I don't know, they didn't they haven't spent decades honing their craft. At some point in that that arbitrary length of time, you gain the title of writer. Yeah. In that past perception. Which I don't feel like that's all that important <laughs> to <laughs> at this point. I used to care about it more. Now I I give less fucks about that the older I've been getting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's become somewhat democratic, right? Because I think yeah. that eventually instead of a publisher selecting you or some sort of studio, instead you're selected by the people because it's about how many likes you get mm-hmm. and how many followers and subscribers you have.
0: Does it devalue it in in public perception when it becomes democratized? Like when something, when anything becomes less rare? Hmm. It becomes more uh, taken for granted. meaning it becomes less special, it becomes less elite, it becomes less sought after, whether yeah. that's uh, rare people as in celebrities mm-hmm. um, and lifestyles that you don't that aren't very common or it's like a rare wine that is very hard to find and therefore it's super expensive even though it's not really. Even though the process isn't really any different from Mm -hmm. any other wine. It's just it has this sort of associated name and brand behind it.
1: Yeah, I think that there's definitely something to that. And ultimately, everybody wants to feel special.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and if everybody's a podcaster, nobody's a podcaster anymore.
1: Right. What doesn't doesn't really make sense to me is why people get angry who – seemingly like okay for example that whole writer mm-hmm. thing i talked about that makes total sense because that yeah. person feels annoyed by other people thinking they're writers when they haven't gotten an official stamp of approval in the same Did they way get
0: an official stamp of
1: approval i'm sure so they're older and so they went through <laughs> mechanisms right. of right. right so so they've been approved by in other, in other forms, exactly. In the way sort of... that it made sense to get approved by being selected as a writer for different forms or getting a job as a writer yeah. versus just writing and putting it out there on the web. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think – so that makes sense, more sense to me than when somebody who just – every Joe seems to be angry by the fact that there are multiple podcasts out there. For example, when we first started this and I shared mm-hmm. what we were doing with somebody who was in the industry, they got – pretty upset about there being multiple VR podcasts and I'm almost like okay first of all
0: (laughs) there's like five maybe
1: if somebody came to me and said they were doing (laughs) anything I mean be a normal human being and congratulate them or encourage them or bring up genuine concerns don't just shit all over (laughs) everything they're doing like what is the fucking point of that
0: (laughs) the first thing you do is just defecate all over their idea
1: that's kind of like like, when you learn who your true friends and supporters are I'm like okay never mind (laughs) but why are you so Uh, angry about it Like,
0: why does that personally offend you so much or why do you feel personally obligated to to jump on that high horse and shit all over that idea
1: right And I think it has to do with envy, to your point. I mean, it has to Uh, do with just the fact that for some reason it threatens people and maybe it has something to do with that there is so much pressure today to have a personal brand to put yourself out there that just by it existing and by knowing somebody who does something like Mm -hmm. podcasts or YouTube, it has that invisible pressure on somebody, right, and puts that weight on them that makes them feel like I'm not doing that. And so I feel threatened, and I'm going to fight that feeling by yeah. making putting that other person down so I can stay feeling up.
0: To be fair, there is a lot of just general, and we talked about this, I think, in like one of our last thoughts on thoughts. Um, there is like a general widespread. Expectation or pressure in, especially the modern, the, the newer generations that have been very tied into social media, to to be visible, to to mm-hmm. project your voice out there, to be on Instagram or Twitter constantly, and projecting your thoughts out. And if you don't do that, you kind of feel like you don't exist. And so, therefore, that generates this sort of complex where you're gonna feel so. I feel self conscious yeah, all the I- time whenever I see. Uh, people online that are constantly doing that that constantly project their thoughts out and i feel like i should do that more god yeah i don't do it enough and then i these days have really just been trying to say like no i don't like maybe that's just not how i am and not everybody needs to do that (laughs) but it's still really hard to overcome that that initial instinct of i'm being left out right or i'm not visible somehow
1: Oh man, I wrote all about this, and it was this article I wrote about being an almost influencer because I think that
0: <laughs> an almost influencer. I
1: think that we are in the generation in between, which yeah. is there was people before us who didn't have this pressure whatsoever, and there's people after us who basically know out of the womb how to manipulate the system or how to navigate it. They're just so used that they to can...
0: that constant. Voyeurism. Yeah, it's like they're
1: not scared of putting themselves out there, and then there were all these in between peoples people
0: (laughs) people (laughs) People persons all of these humanities in in between
1: (laughs) these amazing humans (laughs) Humans. who got stuck in between that were like ridiculed by the older generations for even liking youtube
0: or being so self-centered right constantly but
1: then aren't in that generation of knowing how to use that magic of personal branding to their benefit and so anyways I I thought all about that and how basically I think we need to think about it as if you if we just decide to be like oh that's not for us that's that younger generation well we yeah. will kind of fall behind because that's yeah. just how the times are. And if it's the same thing if you want to stand out, if you want to uh get a good job, if you want to get ahead,
0: mm-hmm. there are
1: certain things that you need to do which is to call attention to yourself it's the same thing we do in our typical process of applying for jobs and right. how we stand out in that process and that process it's always been the same i mean there are like it kind of feels unfair sometimes you're like oh man well that person like they just got this job because they got a lot of likes but if you think about
0: like somebody found them online because they were more visible and right that's how and they people got appreciated that right? right
1: and and there's – I mean, in the movie industry, actors who had more, quote-unquote, followers or people who liked them mm. got more jobs, even though they weren't necessarily the better person for that job yeah. or the better actor. And that um, idea is stemming from even actors these days are getting picked on who has a better Instagram following right. instead of just, oh, are they – did they do the scene well in this audition?
0: Yeah, I, It's a parallel to – what has always been the case for, I mean, as long as the the modern sort of uh, professional world has existed, where interviews have been a thing, I guess, since we transitioned from agrarian society into an industrialized like factory society, and you had to start being hired for jobs, anytime you were ever competing against other candidates, the way that One, you get found is by being visible. And how did you do that before? You would go and like meet with the person that owned the company or run into them in the street uh, and talk to them. Like you'd you'd have to do more what we would consider organic methods to be visible. And now the new sort of organic medium and means for being visible is by creating a visibility, like a, a visible profile online. Right. Which is the really hard adjustment to make if you didn't grow up in that world.
1: Totally. And I think that's it. It's that this pressure has always existed. It was yeah. just in a different form. And now... It's
0: like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's a super straight <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do
1: we call attention to ourselves? So yeah, I mean, we're all just trying to call attention to ourselves. right? right. So, I guess
0: it's it's the same fundamental struggle.
1: <laughs> which is, I guess, what we're doing here.
0: <laughs> it's just, it just, it does, it definitely feels a lot more... Um, it, it can feel more artificial in a lot of ways, just because of the way the mediums kind of evolved. And I think also a lot of that is a side effect of just the the sort of advertisement based internet that mm-hmm. we've constructed thus far. Yeah, Maybe those things shift over time. But yeah, right now <laughs> we're we're going through the rough transition period,
1: right. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel I feel for everyone in our general gr- grouping of people's <laughs> like of the in-betweeners. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it is hard. It is a difficult adjustment and I mean like this podcast for us it obviously wasn't easy for us to mentally get over putting ourselves out there. We both had that thought of like who wants to listen to us. And then we just thought, you know what? Whatever. We're just like recording as we learn things in the same way we have yeah. normal discussions, and we're just putting mics in front of us to share with other people, and that's how we can mentally accept that we're doing it.
0: Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, um, like, why? Why are you? they were? I guess they'd they'd listened through that recent episode. You're like, why are you all self conscious about your intros and outros? I mean, they're fine. Like, it, it's oh really? It's fine. Like, why? I, there's nothing wrong. Like, it's 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 relaxing or whatever the tone or rhythm of our conversation, and whatnot, was appealing mm. and. Okay, cool. Like why can't we just get over that? It's been a struggle to, to get to a point to just We're so good at start. calling
1: attention to our what we perceive as flaws.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just we're like, like a apologizing mutual apologizing
1: for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, this with, is reality. I am the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> we should just start our openings with, Hey this is a reality quest. Sorry. Sorry we're
0: doing this. <laughs> we don't know why, but thanks for going along with the writing. Excuse ride anyways. me,
1: sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but we're gonna go ahead and talk. <laughs>
0: Be patient through all of that. You yeah. Know? And so here's the episode.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. to kind of close that out, I would say for anyone who's interested in doing their own form of any of that and a lot of my friends are like they're in the same in-between group the the in-between the almost influencers or the lost souls of (laughs) almost influencers one
0: slipping through the social cracks yeah
1: and i think you can obviously do whatever you want you can stay not have build on your branding you can figure it out as you go you you, everyone in the world to do whatever they want Mm -hmm. but i don't think that there should be any shame in experimenting with putting yourself out there in the way that the world functions today. Yeah, the absolutely. same way that people started doing cooking blogs online, and it's like, who the fuck gave you the right to share <laughs> to share your recipes?
0: You don't know how to cook? Did yeah. you go to a culinary to a <laughs> institute? <laughs> what's what's your credentials? How did you get? How how did you get where you are? You're not Ray. Rachel Ray. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, all right, everyone, calm down. And like. <laughs> Anyone can put themselves out there. It does not matter if you get zero followers or 10 followers. You know what I would love to find is these like amazing blogs that nobody ever followed. I mean, there's probably so much stuff like that out there. If you think about poems that are written that never get published or read, it's just like people doing their own thing. I mean, this whole idea of like who should be entitled to do whatever, it's like everyone just do whatever you want and if you want to experiment with something experiment with it and if n- nobody likes it who cares obviously We're, i'm talking to myself as i say this, this can all, you tell i'm like talking to myself yeah
0: <laughs> weren't we gonna call one of the previous episodes like do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> do, do whatever the hell you want whatever <laughs> maybe that's that, that's what this one is yeah it's just at the end of the day do whatever you want right who cares i
1: like it end of episode Ugh. just kidding that wasn't even the, yeah, that, wasn't that wasn't even the topic that was me being like hey this has been on my mind this
0: is this is Anyways, just like a, a recentering i guess yeah.
1: yeah this is the whole the whole premise of hashtag tots mm-hmm. we can do whatever the fuck we tots want on tots. <laughs> Tot, tots on tots tots on <laughs> tots tots on tots Well, just, we forgot our intro song Tots, 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 tots. Everybody and welcome back. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Reality Quest. The
1: second part of this episode is brought to you by Throat Coat Tea
0: and Woodford Reserve. Right, double Oaked bourbon.
1: Yeah, actually, shout out to Throat Coat Tea. Who? I select traditional medicines does it. If anyone, uh,
0: yeah, I think it just, yeah, yeah, it's nice. this
1: tea brand and it's called Throat Coat. If you ever need to be doing recordings, I've heard it works for singers or, pe- mm-hmm. or if you're speaking in public, yeah, you got to talk. A or lot. if you just have a sore throat, <laughs> it has this some sort of root covering, mm-hmm. and it genuinely works. So Throat Coat, check it out.
0: Yeah, that's it's pretty my
1: nice. public service announcement.
0: This is prep for when we actually have sponsors. Yeah, I'm just like we're just getting everybody yeah. used to that. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I kind of like the idea of never having sponsors because, <laughs> you know, I hate money. Um, but I love having fake sponsors. Like I, I'm actually, yeah. I would be, actually be a little bit sad if we got a real sponsor. <laughs> I like making uh, it up each time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just so, like um, Casamigos Tequila, right, George Clooney's that brand. That was our first one. Mm-hmm. It's great.
1: Anyways, okay. So today, <laughs> things I want to talk about. So last episode, we talked with Jude Dye, a wonderful human being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh god. Uh right. okay, so working on my synonyms for amazing and wonderful human beings. Okay, so as part of Jude's episode, we started talking about what is the value proposition of VR or XR in general.
0: Right. I feel like a lot of that episode kind of circled around the concept of like what makes what makes VR Uh, worth caring about for normal people.
1: Right. And how do you then communicate that and talk with people about it? Because right right now, and one of the big topics in that episode was we overuse the term empathy. Mm Mm-hmm that it's an em- empathy builder or that that basically I'm going to sell you a headset and the reason you should have it <laughs> is that it's going to build empathy for you.
0: Yeah, it's going to it's it's just going to impart it upon you. Right. Regardless right. of where you're at. Anyway. And I
1: yeah, I wanted to dig into all of that a bit more because I do find that all fascinating. And it got me into thinking, first of all, what are what are the uses of XR and Related, okay, so how do we – what is the value of each of those categories and how do we talk about that? And I think that it
0: the, – The categories, are you thinking of, from the perspective of like AR type things or use cases versus VR as like fully immersive type experiences no. versus – Okay, so
1: here's how I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about XR. And the reason – I'm going to try to combine them. My brain will tend towards VR but I also think that we've talked about this multiple times. The future we're hoping of XR is that they will be merged together in a lot of ways.
0: They, I don't, yeah, I would, I would argue this. I mean, we've talked about this off mic, I
1: right? Think. Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. This yeah, is a, right. This is a
0: worthwhile thing, I think, to clarify at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that really, like, if you, if you say VR specifically, I think that term is constantly used uh, by many, much of the like very, enthusiast focused community or the hardcore developers within the, in the industry and people coming from the video game side of things VR traditionally means something separate from uh, from from AR or from 360 film mm-hmm. or uh, room scale like uh, location-based experiences VR is specifically the fully immersive, like you put on a headset and you're separated from the regular world around you and you yeah. have a virtual environment. A lot of some people use VR interchangeably from that meaning to more broadly just mean the whole industry of immersive tech. But I personally I feel like that's confusing and specifically because so many people that have been around in the industry for a while seem to associate it specifically with like fully immersive experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I always I'm, I've been pushing for XR in general or just anything that describes like mixed reality extended XR because it's inclusive of everything across that spectrum of immersion from very a very small percentage of just like a little object placed into the real world in mm-hmm. front of you through an AR glasses type interface all the way across to uh, where your entire room is is completely reskinned with different things. To fully immersive, there's nothing from the real world that you're actually seeing. You're in a completely virtual environment and separated. But that whole spectrum encompasses all experiences with immersive tech.
1: Right. Well, I think you make a good point by, first of all, it seems like most people believe and or want the future to be one where it's really easy to switch between the two. Basically, it could look like some sort of headset where, yeah, Yeah. you can switch the level of translucency or opaque. But, and the reality is, a lot of experiences end up mixing different things. For instance, you could have a 360 video that, and which is like of the real world, it's like regular video or film. Right. And then you can overlay that with graphics and interaction. So then what do you call that? right? Because mm-hmm. that then becomes a mix of some sort of virtual reality and 360 video. yeah. And the same thing with augmented reality, I mean you're you are you're you can see part of the real world, which or you typically the, the all of the real world yeah the
0: the the foundation upon which everything else is overlaid or imposed is the real world. That's your environment right. And you, you add things to it. it augmented reality, is like it's additive right. to the real world.
1: But if at some point you're adding so much that it's almost like VR, it's like, well, what's the difference? And so uh, to yeah, your there's... point, I think that they can overlap a lot. And by totally. crea- if we created boxes and didn't allow those boxes to overlap, that would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. But I also think there is reason for those distinctions. And that's because they have, at least right now, different applications and different uses sometimes. For instance, like... At least
0: thus far have been kind of distinct in how they've been used.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you could use... An example might be, let's say you want to do some form of surgery or, or surgery training. Like VR might be a great way to do surgery training Mm -hmm. but ar might be what you want when you want helpful information but you need to see the real person and see the body
0: yeah when you're when you're interacting with the real world in some way
1: so anyways okay so the categories i'm talking about generally i'm trying to apply it to all of xr as i talk about this
0: this is interesting uh because there's you've just described two different dimensions that we need to work with so like Mm. this is almost the concept of a semiotic square um Ooh, what does that mean? It so if you've ever seen a um an alignment chart like a a personality alignment chart um or there's this like famous sort of argument about what's what is uh what where on the alignment of believing that a certain thing is a sandwich or not a sandwich. Okay. Um <laughs> so like on one on one dimension there like on the x axis yeah uh you have the Um, The ingredients, perhaps. And then on the y-axis, you have the structure. And so if you're like a structural and ingredient purist, you're going to be really far to like the top left of that square. Meaning that you believe that a sandwich needs to be two separate pieces of bread and it needs Mm. to contain meat or something like that. And then if you're like a structural and ingredient rebel... Then you're like, an, I, a, talk, an, uh, like a a like a frozen deep fried Twinkie or something like that as a sandwich. You're like I don't even care. I don't even care if the structure is similar. There's like dough fried onto a thing and there's stuff inside. That's a sandwich. Mm.
2: Um.
0: So like you could be anywhere on these across these different uh, these two different dimensions on that sort of chart. So if we make that analogous to VR mm. or XR, sorry, let me use my own. Yeah. insistent term please here please do <laughs> um on one part of that spectrum what you just described is like the level of immersion or the the percentage of what you perceive everything that you are experiencing at any point in time via your senses you either see at one end 100 of the real world like natural reality or you see 100 percent of virtual reality or virtual representation and anywhere in between there is somewhere on that one-dimensional spectrum
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, or two dimensional spectrum, but then if you add the vertical, which is the level of immersion or uh, not immersion, uh, interactivity. So we could we could impose a second layer there, which is interactivity. Whether it's a passive experience, or it is a fully. Uh, individually driven, like you have all of the agency, like in a video game where you are controlling everything you do and Mm -hmm. all of the ways that you interact with that environment Mm -hmm. versus a movie where you are just a passive observer and you're taken along for the ride and you have no agency. I like this. Yeah. So it's it's immersion or level of immersion on one part of the spectrum. And then on the vertical or the y-axis, you've got the amount of interactivity. Mm-hmm. Anyways,
1: I like that. Yeah,
0: we need like an actual visual to. I really think you make should draw worthwhile. one up,
1: and we can we can publish it.
0: Sure. So <laughs> that would be interesting. We'll have to whiteboard this later. But
1: right. Okay. So totally agree with that. And the way that I'm at least I've been thinking about separating them right now uh-huh. is so in terms of categories that we would place on that semiotic square. So one is uh, obviously entertainment. or story or
0: different kinds of entertainment
1: different kinds of entertainment okay then another one is education Mm -hmm. training would fit into education so let's just say education anything where you're
0: trying to impart knowledge or or some sort of teaching space
1: thank you and then (laughs) (laughs) no i genuinely meant thank you (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a sarcastic. Thank you for clarifying that, joke <laughs>
1: <laughs> That was me trying to use different words. I'm really on the whole synonym thing now. So, because I always say right, right, mm. I was trying to think, what else can I say? And I'm like, thank you. But clearly, I didn't do- deliver <laughs> it very well.
0: Indubitably. That
1: is correct. <laughs> no, genuinely, thank you. That was a good description. Thank you. I don't know why. I don't know why when I sound thank you, it sounds so insincere. <laughs> Moving on. And the third bucket is information.
0: Info- oh, so, like the information density, like the const- I would say uh,
1: information utility might be a better way of describing it. What does the lightest and
0: most extreme look like?
1: Well, I don't know if I have that off the top of my head, but an example uh-huh. is if you're. Overlaying data on the world. Let's say you are at a park, and augmented reality gives you information so that uh, you can see what that flower means.
0: Right. I understand oh, so, how that could so be mixed virtual, with education. Virtual information is a a potential um, a potential. What is that? What that called it's an it's another dimension to add into this for, this equation.
1: I guess for now I'll call it utility. And what I mean by that okay. is that you can, you're using it to accomplish something.
0: Okay. So it's information with a goal, with a purpose. Like it is information for some reason. It's not because if you're just looking at the world and there's no information other than the structure of the things you're looking at, uh, there's no, you're not really mm. being given any sort of, there's no goal with that. As soon as you put some sort of piece of information there, it's like it's a label for a flower. The purpose is for that label to tell you something about the flower.
1: I guess. Maybe. And now, okay, so what, what – this could obviously feel like education. Yeah. But a difference – so here's maybe a clearer example. Okay. When there is an architect – or sorry, an engineer mm-hmm. trying to build something and they're using augmented reality glasses to follow instructions in order to build the thing. Right. That's a utility where it's enhanced information over the real world, which is allowing them to do their job. That is okay. different to me than education or training, which is creating fictional scenarios, I'll call it, in order for you to learn a topic okay, or for you to practice something. Now, mm-hmm. I think that there's probably a Venn diagram here. I th- or maybe we just group it under I- education I don't know. I
0: think you could you could simplify that down to it's all communicating some sort of contextual information. The context being where is that information and what is it relevant to? So cuz you're looking at a space. So you're like either it's a label for something or it's some sort of uh, enhancing pointer or reference. Oh,
1: like spatial, we'll call it spatial it's, spatial information or... uh, Yeah, it's
0: like it's contextual, it's contextual data or contextual information. And like that, that is being used in stories as well. Cause if you want to emphasize, if you were to imagine that somebody made an augmented reality-based interactive or non-interactive experience of some sort, a story, and they want to tell, they want to communicate a story to the the person experiencing this,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you still you're at the at the end of the day, you are community communicating additional information or additional data. On top of the base reality, the base uh, mm-hmm. world that you're mm-hmm. imparting that those shapes or that information, those voices, the sounds, whatever it is, it's all new info that wasn't there before. Fair. Even if it's a story.
1: Fair. I mean, in the same way that we can say entertainment can be educating and uh-huh. education can be entertaining. So why would we separate those two? But we know that generally they are different purposes. There are different but... purposes even though there is overlap. And the same thing, I think, whatever we're calling it, spatial or contextual mm-hmm. data, uh, that can be educational, but generally the purpose of it is to help you accomplish a specific task in real time where yeah. education is more like prepping your mind or helping right. open your experience.
0: So we could we could think of this as now like three different dimensions. There's There's the level of immersion, uh, mm-hmm. over the real world okay uh there is the amount of interactivity or agency that you have an experience a, a, a movie being like the the low interactivity uh, side and then like an interactive video game being the fully like the most interactive the most agency um, and then you also have maybe maybe information density i think you were kind of on I, I liked that direction when you started that before we tried to break it down further, because mm. that's really that is just how much information are you trying to overlay onto that space, onto that.
1: You're saying that's the third lens.
0: That that's another lens that could be added. I mean, you add too many, and it starts to become overwhelming. Fair. So you have okay, to focus well, on something. Okay, well, let me. But, so
1: what I'm talking about the the at least right now I have four categories and we've gone through three. They all okay. fit into I'll call it purpose or utility. Okay. Which is, so we have one is entertainment. Okay. Two is education. Three is spatial, contextual, real-time information. Okay. Whatever we want to call that category that I can't come up up with a better label right now. Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one that I'm thinking about is connection. So connection could be like social Uh, or some form of life experience. Now, interesting. Question because obviously, like social can be entertaining, Mm -hmm. but socials you can have entertainment that's definitely not a social activity, and so there's some sort of connection that I feel like some things would fit in there. Mm -hmm. There was this recent story about this woman who had her daughter, her young daughter, who had passed away very sadly and tragically, (laughs) rebuilt in in virtual reality. Did you see this article?
0: No, well, I messed up
1: so. They recreated her, and then the mother could re-meet her daughter. And really? Yeah.
0: That feels very Black Mirror. There was an episode about that. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So <laughs> there's mixed feelings that. about this. Some people right. were really touched by it. Some people feel like there's an ethical problem with bringing the dead back to life in VR.
0: That's interesting, because my immediate thought is that's just kind of the the logical extreme, like the logical end of writing a eulogy yeah uh, like what is okay. what is writing a eulogy about someone who's already passed away what's the purpose of that it's to evoke all these memories in the the loved ones of that person after they're already gone and when you you you're representing them somehow and doing it in VR just seems like a more uh, a more apparent and, and more visually focused version of that.
1: I, sup- I suppose I can That's see it that way, way it. but I can also see, first of all, let me, let me start with, I actually haven't decided how I feel about this yet and yeah. I, and I don't think I want to make any decisions mm-hmm. because That's not if me making somebody wants That's to my first do thought, that, though. right, it, then let's say we had the power, the magic in life to bring the dead back to life. Yeah. I mean that's a whole philosophical question totally. and doing this in VR is just a version of that philosophical question. Mm. Would I want to do that with people in my own life? I don't know, I'd have to figure that out. I I don't think so. But I also don't necessarily have a problem if somebody chooses to partake in that type of thing for themselves because who yeah. is it? it's not affecting me if they see their dead relative. Yeah. Uh but I do think that there is a certain power in this We've had other conversations about this, which is the power of of that, how real VR is and right. what you do or decide to not do and what rules you create due to that power. Mm-hmm. And because writing a eulogy and hearing and sparking memory based off of some written word is, in fact, extremely different than seeing Definitely. a ghost.
0: <laughs> De- Come uh, to
1: life, right?
0: Was this a ghost? No, I just or, mean, I
1: meant a ghost by like the, the, it's I mean, like it seeing was, a dead person is like seeing a ghost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just recreating th- that, the ghost of right. someone who has passed, right?
0: And when it, you know it's not the actual person, right? Um,
1: so yeah,
0: uh, it's, it's totally different. Just to disclaim that, yeah. I, I would just, it's, I'm, that's <laughs> yeah. not, that's not, I don't actually feel like that is similar because there's so many other layers there, but, um, but in one way, if you just look at it from the perspective of a representation of a person, there is the eulogy at the the mm-hmm. one end of that spectrum. And then there is like completely recreating a, a the image of them and the character of them through something like VR.
1: Right. No, I mean, I think um, you make a point, which is but, what are you doing other than bringing back memories of them? Ultimately, right. it has the same goal. It's just that one yeah. is imagined in your head and one becomes... Well, Realer.
0: they're all imagined in your head.
1: Now we're getting real. fast.
0: <laughs> well, but that—that that is a fair. Am
1: I imagining this right now? No.
0: Well, yes. I mean, you—you <laughs> <laughs> haven't. So, like, every person has an entire. Even if I'm not dead, I'm here right now. You have an entire universe perception of me. You have this whole character shaped in your head that is Jay. Mm-hmm. and what you perceive me to be at any point in time and obviously that's continuing to change because I keep reappearing periodically in your life in your perception um, but after somebody's passed away, then you're just you're only going off of like your reconstructed memory of them and any new information that you find out over time right um, so then you're kind of just recycling your own perception and 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 adjusting it a little bit every time you remember that yeah. So on th- in that perspective, it it is not any it's not actually any different. You're still just kind of like re-experiencing them, whether it's a very precise communication to your to your perception of that person, like in VR, mm-hmm. it's literally an image of them versus a description of them in a eulogy. yeah, and you're you're just you are again seeing them in your mind's eye yeah. just the same, but that one is more personally constructed. The VR one is more information dense as far as a description of them yeah. is literally the visual. So then.
1: And I think, yeah. I mean, your, your example of just what I think ignoring the whole eulogy thing and what's written down, right, just right. the power of our own memories yeah, and what we can reconstruct or in our dreams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had many dreams that make me cry waking up to them because it's of somebody I've lost and, and my whole brain will recreate that person exactly as I remembered them mm-hmm. Even though I actually don't really feel like I can do that in the daytime. I don't really feel like – like I can think of somebody and I can get sad or whatever. But dreams have this whole way of I don't even know how to remember those mannerisms of somebody.
0: It's like because there – maybe because there is the separation from when you – you go unconscious when you hit deep sleep. And so then when you slide out of unconsciousness into a dream – just like when you're waking up from deep sleep, it whatever you're waking up into feels real mm-hmm. until otherwise proven to not be real. Like until you've actually woken up fully conscious, your dream feels like you're fully conscious. Right. In many cases, unless there's like super weird things that then you become aware of, and you're like, this is this is weird. Why yeah. would this happen? Yeah. And then you're like, you know, you're coming out of the dream at that point. Right. But. That that happens to me so often, where uh, I I am dreaming of things that feel completely normal and not weird, and then I get out of that dream and wake up, and I'm really confused as to what all of that last I don't know day of imaginary memories were. Yeah. Sometimes those will stick with me for 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 days or weeks. There's some that I remember years later, and that's a whole that, that was all a freaking dream. It was all imaginary. Yeah. But it's not actually all that different from everything else.
1: Right. It's just the power of what our, our minds already do right. brought into a, a specific forum.
0: Yeah. So, like, what? what is... Okay. So, my point is, so, where does that
1: experience fit, I think, is a good question. <laughs> yeah. Is it entertain? It feels really weird to call that entertaining. It's not mm. really educational and it's not that real-time contextual information. So... I think that fits into something about connection. And I think that connection Okay. So here is here's a question. There's Jude had brought up in the past episode the uh-huh. general idea of experiences because she didn't like the term entertainment. Right. I don't necessarily agree with her about mm-hmm. I think entertainment can be it all it all depends on how you define it and right. I do get how she's defining entertainment. But all all movies, it, right? All movies and books could fall under entertainment. Yeah. I mean, but there are books and movies that have sincerely moved me, challenged me, changed me. To so to much kind more of extreme
0: degrees, yeah. Than.
1: Degrade that by just saying, "Oh, that falls under an entertainment category." Yeah. It doesn't feel right, and so, but I still put that under entertainment. Mm. So connection would be obviously social fits under there, but in that. Scenario where the child is being brought back to life, the Mm -hmm. mother is connecting with her child. You could also argue that if you do some sort of hike in VR, maybe you're connecting with that. So, With with
0: what feels like the natural world, some sort of natural environment. So
1: we could have one category for connection and put everything in that. Or we could have one that is uh, social slash connection and then another one that is we call... Life experience
0: that, oh, that feels really, really broad.
1: I know that's what why is, I don't want do to call it. What do
0: you mean by that? Is that is that referring which of the things you so just So, let's say is that
1: you decide to? that connection is really just social or something like we could still fit the whole uh, bringing back to life this child in there, mm-hmm. but what do you do with experiences that are that is something like you get to climb Mount Everest in VR?
0: Right, is well, that
1: entertainment? is that
0: so i we need to we need to d- kind of describe what each of these things like what kind of experience goes into each of these right we keep u- we use the word experience so much i've been noticing this for a while now but it is the sort of encompassing term of anything that you go through and have are impacted by right so yeah <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> Like at the heart of it, it's literally just you go through it. You I think live it's through because something. people don't
1: know what to call. If you call so, film and movies have their own term. Books have their own term. Games have their own term. And VR and AR don't have their own term. So people call it experiences.
0: Well, because you, it's more like you lived through something in VR. Yeah, I mean, Even film is
1: an experience, a book is an experience. I, I totally get your point. It's there's just no that verb.
0: There's no verb for VRing.
1: Yeah, there's like experiencing. Like you don't play
0: VR, a VR
1: film, or playing. You can play well, you, VR. You, yeah, yeah, sure. Some
0: things you can play. And I think
1: that it's uh, well for video games. So
0: play has become the unanimous term. Well, com- to play a video game.
1: Yeah. Well, computers. Uh, with computers in general, there's verbs for different things that you do, and so uh-huh. I think that with with xr platforms it's the same thing it depends on you could play a game in vr you can watch a movie in vr you can but i think ultimately the problem is that all of that pulls from these previous experiences and the reality is it's so different from those watching a movie so people could even get really picky and think about oh watching a movie in vr literally means Going into a theater and watching a two D movie in VR versus watching an an immersive movie in VR. So uh, the problem. So here is the thing. The it's okay. We don't have all the language for it yet. That will all techniques and the language around an industry takes so much time to develop. Yeah, I was reading related to all of this a lot about the history of the film industry. Uh-huh. And I felt, like, really comforted by that because it's been over a century. And yeah. and we have figured out a lot in that time there were all these different phases of, like, what was popular at that time, whether it was, uh, like, newsreels or musicals or um, how long the films are. Like, they started off as black and white, obviously, Mm. like, without sound, and then they were only one minute long. And then, like, eventually, you know, uh, decades or so later, they get uh, brought into, they're, like, 60 minutes long, right? Right. And so the point is, I know that there's a a history of VR. Like, everyone gets upset when they say it's new because they're like, it got started in the 80s. I'm like, all right, calm (laughs) the fuck (laughs) down. (laughs) Okay, that's like saying that movies got started with, like, Projectors. It's like yes, you can go back to like re- like the eighteen hundreds, like the mid eighteen. Yeah. You could make arguments that movies got started with archaic storytelling. Like do whatever you want I mean, in some this people, argument.
0: We we could take this all the way back to like literally movies got started with. With plays and plays got started with write- written stories and written yeah. stories got I started mean, with cave all, paintings. It's all connected,
1: and, but the point yeah. is there are phases in which things grow bigger and bigger and then yeah. it gets adopted more by the masses. And so I'm referring to the the now, which is when XR is starting to get actually adopted by consumers. I'm not yeah. referring to all the past, but even if we do include all of the past, I mean, you can go back like, when we talk to Tom Furness, and you can say whatever, whatever it started back then, but really, I think like the beginning is more; it's closer to now. Like the past will be all of that context in the background of that build up to something, mm-hmm. but the start of adoption is really in this century, right? And so, given that we have a lot of time, if film took so long or even I guess like computers went and like the web went a bit faster, but mm-hmm. we still have a lot of time that would be expected to develop the terminology, the lexicon, whatever right. it is to help us talk through these things. So I'm okay that we're calling things experiences, mm-hmm. but I do like like part of us talking through all of this right now is to try to help figure that out with each other and with everyone else is how do we talk about these things in a way that yeah. is helpful. And that's not like, hey, here's an empathy machine. You can experience stuff through <laughs> empathy it. Empathy machine. Yeah. It's so, so
2: VR funny now that I experience, say that. Now.
1: Oh, no, no, you're fine. Yeah. No, that's yeah. like what all of us talk about it that way. Right. And it's like the big thing. And I feel like there should just be this tagline. I'm just like, have experiences, eh, have empathetic experiences in VR. It's like, what? How is that a selling point? Like who even? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, thank you. If somebody sold me a movie by saying that I would feel very empathetic watching it, I'd be like, no fucking shit, dude. Isn't that the whole point of movies? Like maybe, we, maybe we are the- empathetic human beings who want to live vicariously through the character. So
0: this is an interesting problem with uh, with saying that VR is empathetic. It's like saying that canvas is empathetic yeah. or, or creates empathy. So more people should paint because painting creates empathy. Or, like, the canvas itself is what creates empathy. VR is a canvas for all of these potential ways to tell stories or to put people through things or to play games in VR that are just more immersive. Uh, But it's really – it's a medium medium in itself. And Mm -hmm. so saying that it's empathetic is – It it just it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, the empathy is actually based on the content that is the information that is being communicated to and the person that is receiving that info. Hmm. Because there's no empathy if the person can't relate to the info that's being communicated to them.
1: Right. I get that the
0: audience matters as well as just as much as the the medium.
1: Right, and I get that empathy generally means being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, but actually. Empathy often means that you've you can literally like you've already experienced something and you can be empathetic towards someone where you like really feel for them. You can empathize with them. Right. And so I just think that's the wrong word. The word that I like is actually perspective because all and by the way, all mediums can do this. So. If you watch if you read yeah, a good conversation can do this. <laughs> yeah, a conversation can do this. If you read a good book, it will give you perspective on the world or perspective on a character's uh, emotions that you might may not have had before or that just like yeah. gives you a certain truth that maybe you already knew or maybe you just saw it from a different angle.
0: The common the only common thing between all of those different mediums is your you putting the mental energy in to actually imagine yourself in that position Mm -hmm. so like whether that is through reading or talking to somebody it's like reading a whole book or having a bunch of conversations with people enough that you can start to imagine yourself in those shoes or watching a really uh evocative movie um, or going through a vr experience whatever it is it's if it gets you to the point where you start being able to do the, the, the mental backflips to put yourself in an imagined circumstance, then you start to feel empathetic. Mm-hmm. But none of those, in, those things in particular just creates empathy. Right. It's, it's that you you are able to build up enough context and and break down enough of your own cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. with the differences in what you've experienced from that that you can actually start to create that mm-hmm. reality in your own imagination.
1: It's the connection between the human who is experiencing it along with how that story or that experience is being told or presented yeah. to them, yeah hmm.
0: and not not to devalue that that's that's not to say that someone who's never been through a particular experience can experience what that's like just by building up enough context but not actually going through the thing itself. Like there is obviously something to be said for literally going through the same experience, literally walking in somebody else's shoes. Um, but if you want to talk about generating empathy in general, it's like it doesn't matter what medium you're using; you're just they're like different ways or conduits to a person's imagination. Mm-hmm. That's how I've I, that's how I'm like thinking about this now yeah. after all these different conversations. Yeah. It's just trying. It's like how. What is the best way to get to that person's imagination? Their their imaginative power to recreate a new perspective.
1: Mm -hmm. So okay, if we say then that first that if if it depends on the person and any type of medium can make someone empathetic or give perspective, Mm -hmm. well then we're kind of like. Okay, so then what what is the, what, differenti- what the, yeah. <laughs> the differentiator, the value proposition of XR? Um, and I also feel like uh, my brain is exploding because I just want to talk about too many things. But one of those two is <laughs> I think it, it, you're... I'm so on the same page about this whole imagination thing and that it has something to do with how it taps into our imagination. This is why
0: we need guests because we need people to disagree so that we can, like, pick apart these things even further. I think you're
1: wrong, Jay. (laughs) Does that make you happy? Um, Well, so I I feel like it totally has to do with imagination and what – I think okay. I want to go back to the structure because the problem is I start like going too all over. Right, right, right. We're getting too
0: far away from that original goal. Right. So let's like
1: step by step get to where we want to get. So, so the first thing was trying to define what are the categories, and then we can go by each category to say what is the value of that category. Mm. So where we were at was that we have. Um,
0: we had, we had levels of the, the amount of immersion
1: we have. With, well, no, I'm I at your, oh.
0: oh, entertainment versus. Yeah. Education so, versus, right.
1: Okay. So th- I want to talk about those lenses that you're talking about, right. but I want to, they're going to add on to later because yeah. I need to be clear on what categories, cause that's not. The
0: categories you're talking about are like around what is the purpose of the content?
1: Right. right. And that's it's- what I'm trying to get at, which is okay. because we're about to talk about the value proposition. So there's a difference between the value proposition of the content versus, okay, how does that change when you add the lens of interaction or oh, not? Oh, yeah. Do okay. you see what I'm saying?
0: To- okay. This is a clear separation. Awesome. This is really good. Thank you. You're, You're just like, you, welcome. You just planted That a, was a
1: genuine yeah. thank you. I felt that. <laughs> it really <laughs> was. I need to work on that.
0: Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I, yeah, okay. So now we have separately um, the medium itself. If you want to describe the advantages or the powers of this canvas of XR, or initially we were talking about uh, the amount of immersion, the amount of interactivity, and like maybe the amount of information being communicated at any mm-hmm. point in time. Um, and then totally separate from that, that's all just about the canvas itself, mm-hmm. XR as a tool
2: mm-hmm. for yes.
0: communicating anything. We're talking about categories now. Categories is what is the purpose of the content exactly. and the message yes. and the information? Yes,
1: that's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. And then we go by each one to say, okay, what is the value That purpose or category brings us because
0: at the end of the the, oh my gosh at the end of the day (laughs) you're just really excited (laughs) trying to say too many things at once
1: skip to (laughs) the point
0: uh, um, the whole purpose of content well the whole purpose of content is to accomplish something like you're trying to reach somebody by communicating things so what are you doing
1: right and this all relates again back to what came up in the last episode with Jude which is well what. Problem is VR or XR solving, and that just really got me thinking. Yeah, okay, yeah. so given that, that's how I <laughs> want to go about this. So the first thing we need to do is align on those categories to make sure we're generally not missing anything. So we have entertainment, we have education, mm. we have contextual data, we have
0: what is cont- social- contextual data? Where is that? Oh
1: my god, Jay, we just well, talked about it. No, no, no. But- I can't like <laughs> discuss this any further. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but but that's it seems to not fit. You said education, you said entertainment. Yeah. And then you said contextual data.
1: Yes, that's a third Oh, okay. oh my god. I feel okay, like we no, need a you, whiteboard because no, no, no.
0: I know what you mean for that, but I think the term is
1: I already said I don't know what to fucking call this okay. term. Okay. Well, to
0: just to remind <laughs> myself on that contextual data, you is like, called
1: it contextual. So I was trying to make uh, you happy. <sighs> it's like spatial inform. I wrote information. It's for a job in real time. It's, spatial it's, information or utility.
0: It's utility focused info. Oh
1: God, we'll come up with a better name. Whatever. But can we just yeah. call it? You, you okay. Call it whatever you want sure, to call it. Sure. It's it's okay. Stop okay. bothering me about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Let's okay. So you said entertainment, education, something that has utility, like for a job. Yes. like somebody's working on a power line. Yes,
1: okay. in like real time. Let's call right. it because obviously education can help with jobs. But, it could also okay.
0: be CAD. It could also they could also yeah, be like creating like models that. in exactly. full immersion. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Okay.
1: Way. Oh, good point. So VR fits in that one. Thank you. Because yeah. I was thinking, is that just AR? Uh, okay. And then the the last one I have was connection. Okay. So which could mean social Social or which could mean connection with something else like mountains or connection with the world, like experiencing something, feeling something. Yeah. Now we like I said, we could separate something out into like life experience. Yeah. So but maybe let's leave it as is. And then if we want to break it down further as we get there or as we learn more, we can we can I think what we should do is after we re-listen to this, Mm -hmm. we'll like create a diagram. And label some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then keep revising that totally. as we have these conversations. We're building a model. Yes. Oh, yeah. my God, Jay. Are you so excited? We're building a model. You <laughs> model lover, you.
0: So just to make a comment on that particular thing. Yeah. I do. I do maybe we can keep those all in one category for now. Because I'm, I'm going to look at this as humans anthropomorphize everything. So mm-hmm. like anytime that you – somebody feels like they really connect with nature – or they go out into the mountains and they feel like they connect with the natural environment. Or you feel like you go to a concert and you connect with all these other people there. Mm-hmm. Or the artist on the stage. Or you have a deep conversation like between you and I and we really connect on something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or I really connect with my pet rock as a kid. Whatever. Like you're literally – you are projecting a some sort of agency and personality, some sort of mm-hmm. sentience to that thing that mm-hmm. you can connect with. Ooh. So it's like any experience – or or setting where you mm. feel connected to something else.
1: Yeah. I like it. Okay. And so that's o- a whole again category. Right, again, obviously that can happen through entertainment and education. Right. But like, Th- these we're, are, trying these aren't create, we're trying to create we're trying but. to do our best to cleanly separate knowing that there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And we'll keep revising this and working on it, but it's going to help us talk through some stuff. And then if we get, as we learn through our conversations, or if we get feedback based Mm -hmm. on people listening to this and having their opinions, great, we can take another look at it. Yeah. Okay. So those four categories, do you think I'm missing anything?
0: Hmm. What I would try to think of is what doesn't fit into those. Can I think of any examples that, that fall outside of education? Um entertainment mm-hmm. connection and utility mm. uh, i can't write now okay we'll, great. we'll keep thinking Let's about move on.
1: <laughs> so so then the question is okay what what is the value or what does that category what problem does that category solve
0: For each of those. For each of those.
1: Now, I think that we can get one out of the way, which is utility. Like, come on. Right. I feel like that's a boring one to talk about. Right. It's just like, yeah, it helps you accomplish a task, literally.
0: You could say it's goal-oriented, but it's only goal-oriented in that it's literally like it's focused on some sort of societally considered productivity. It's like you're doing a job, you Mm -hmm. have a clear goal in mind, I want to build a model of this building, this architectural rendering. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work in in VR or partial VR for the next few hours and kind of uh, move stuff stuff around in this space or build a model or whatever. Or you're working on a real-life power line and you've got contextual information popping up around what you're doing, uh, like showing you the voltage in the line at the moment or like what kind of line that is and what kind of tool you should use for it. Or it's a surgery. Mm-hmm. and it's like literally identifying different parts in the body as you're working yeah that's all utility right perhaps.
1: which it helps you accomplish a task that is the problem it's solving is i mean it's really improving the way in which and the speed in which we can accomplish tasks
0: it's also that all i feel like something like google maps that it but yeah. augmented is yeah. like that because you're you're literally trying to find a good restaurant in town and you tell it hey what restaurants are nearby that are really good? And it pops up a bunch mm-hmm. of different uh, labels yeah. on the sides of the buildings around you for like, oh, this one's got like right. this many reviews, blah, blah blah. Cool, it's it's Vietnamese food, whatever. Yeah, um, and like that is also utility because there's a goal in mind, right? Or at least a a uh, that that all of these things have a goal, but like this is a productivity type goal.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, so I feel like let's ignore that one, okay? Because we basically we feel good, good about we feel good about that's actually probably the, the the reason that businesses can argue so i would say that and then also the education training mm-hmm. group those feel like they're being sold pretty well
0: it's, Meaning, it's like, easier people, to communicate the benefit or the, the value problem
1: exactly and yeah. like corporations are already bringing them into training it's like these feel like the two where people can talk about that in a easier and People are already using it in the way that they're supposed to be used. Yeah. And people can understand their value. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we have the two that are the weird ones, which is entertainment and connection. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about, I don't know, which one do you want to talk about first?
0: (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about connection first. Ooh, okay. Yeah,
1: that's very thematic with Jude's episode. Totally, she's a total connection kind of kind of person. Both
0: of those are actually really thematic with her episode Mm because we also started to dig into entertainment. Yeah, and I would like to. Yeah, yeah. We we're gonna we'll get there.
1: Oh, for sure. (laughs) That's the one (laughs) I care most about. Yeah.
0: So so connection to to jump back to that, I my my thought right now is that connection is literally any time that you feel connected to something external okay um, whether that is a person or it is the external
1: nature you mean from yourself from yourself
0: yeah I mean I, I guess you can feel really aligned or like centered with yourself
1: oh well meditation let's talk about does that fit sure. into this category
0: um I
1: I think so it's connection with the self
0: yeah I do think so because <gasps> oh you, you do perceive you know what yourself as separate
1: exercise
0: um yeah, we forgot exercise. uh, uh would that um, <laughs> I don't want to have a whole debate on like trying to categorize every single kind of activity, but would exercise fit into it's not a training thing, yeah? You can I guess mix health. it
1: into entertainment. Oh, nice, nice exercise and health. And uh, we can also ignore that one because the value is also pretty clear, which is like if you can get great exercise in VR Mm -hmm. and be distracted or it can improve your health in some way. Yeah. Great. Now, I think meditation would be in the the middle of that kind of Venn diagram situation or that overlap because it could give you connection with yourself. It could also be healthy. Mm -hmm. But I do think that is its own category and we get the benefit of that. So we can ignore it, but I'm adding it to the list.
0: I might – I might want to make an argument on that later. Okay, right that's now, fine. right now I'm we're fine entitled with it. These... to change
1: all of our opinions on this. Totally, <laughs> we can do whatever the fuck we want, Jay. That's the theme of this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are these are all in theory. What is the 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 saying goes that like uh, all models are wrong, some are useful.
1: Oh uh yeah. i didn't know that was a saying
0: yeah, yeah the, uh i can't remember the guy that that actually came up with that he's a statistician. i, I think i love British. that it's yeah. like
1: clicking for me right yeah, now yeah. oh my gosh like that's a great saying
0: you anytime the whole concept of a model is like a simplified that's the erroneous word a simplified view of something and the reality is always complex of course intractable but we have to
1: We're trying to get something to be helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we want we want something useful. Right. Which it is there's always precise. that that
1: person that picks apart everything to death and that person is not helpful. <laughs> 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 don't be that guy.
0: Don't don't be that. Let person. us get
1: somewhere before we pick things apart. Okay. <laughs> so, back to connection. Okay, so get, you're talking about how its connection with something external, or potentially, I think connection. I think we perceive
0: everything as external, even ourself. Like you think of yourself as an external entity, almost.
1: Oh man, my brain just blew up. <laughs> Who am like- I?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like y- I think you have to, right? Like the whole the whole point, everything where our our consciousness is mm-hmm. built on is externalizing things we're just avatars yeah Yeah. like because like there's the you that is in the moment right now thinking about themselves but when as soon as you say that you yourself is a separate thing you have to step outside of that center and think about it Hmm. so that's either you like exploring your own consciousness uh you know that's where you start to blur the line because you're just letting subconscious thoughts kind of bubble up as you meditate maybe if that's your goal yeah or you are just trying to feel connected with the dirt and trees and things around you out in nature or you're trying to feel connected in a conversation with another human. Yeah. Or animal, whatever.
1: I love it. Okay, so then what's the what's the benefit of connection? <laughs> what problem does connection solve? It solves uh, loneliness. Right. Yeah. It solves
0: like the alone value and... proposition of feeling connected with anything.
1: I think that if if I try to answer this in short it solves a f- it, it gives
0: well the I the, I don't want to reuse the word utility but the utility of it the the novelty of it is because we as humans need connection either even with ourselves or other things around us like there we have to feel connected to something in some capacity otherwise we're just kind of like lost in the void Mm -hmm. Um,
1: so there's this person i was reading about who has they they define again this is like a model that i'm sure is wrong but helpful sure which they they say there are these three main psychological needs and one is competence control or mastery one is autonomy which is control over actions like the opposite would be manipulation sure and then the third is relatedness which i think is what we're talking about which is we need to feel like we matter to others and, like we
0: fit into yes some sort of context that's why we constantly feel anxiety when we mm. feel like we don't fit
1: i think it's a feeling of belonging i like that word because yeah. because then it encapsulates connection with the earth As well as with human beings, because you need to feel like you matter. But there are times where like if you're out in nature and you actually feel small and that's a good feeling, Mm. that doesn't make you feel like you matter. It just. It doesn't?
0: Well, you you say matter. And I think you're talking about I think you're talking about like feeling like you're contributing somehow
1: Mm -hmm. or like
0: the things that you do make a difference. Yeah. To anybody else. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if I would say that, uh, I don't necessarily think that you, that that, like standing out in nature makes you feel part of this huge thing, this massive, overwhelmingly large system, place, presence, just being in that space and you're a part of it. Hmm. I mean, it, it, this is all subjective. Like you could perceive it that way. You could also perceive it as I don't matter because I'm so small. Mm-hmm. There was there's lyrics by this band uh called Mimicking Birds that I really like. And there's like one in six billion people. Uh how could how could they make a difference at all or something like that? I swear yeah, it's like, I swear it's not me. I'm too small. How can that affect anything at all? I am one in six billion. I can't be at fault. How could that affect anything at all? Um Ooh. Yeah. Mm. So it's just it's like you could feel that way, overwhelmingly insignificant you mm. could also look at that as overwhelmingly connected to everything
1: mm-hmm.
0: i i feel like those are just kind of like a, a like pessimism part of versus something optimism. Bigger. yeah
1: i could i can see that yeah I,
0: I i think that's like a that seems to fit on like a, a pessimistic versus an optimistic sort of spectrum mm-hmm. view of reality mm-hmm. which everybody has their own natural lean there
1: Okay, so but we're getting kind of esoteric, right? Away from. Okay, well, <laughs> I think that we could we could talk about that how we define that and how mm. forever, but you can find that in real life. Yeah. And So, what is VR or XR doing for us when it provides that? If we can find that in real life connection,
0: that when it when it provides us that connection, yes. What is so?
1: It? It, what is it solving?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think – I feel like we already – I guess, yeah, we said
1: said loneliness, the need to feel like a part of something, to belong to something, to be uh, part of something greater.
0: Yeah, feeling connected makes it feel like you matter in some capacity at all. Yeah. Feeling connection – feels like you matter
1: which we've seen already by our discussions with social vr that this is an obvious solution because there are plenty of people who for various reasons have trouble connecting in the real world and or maybe they don't get enough connection or they're prevented from connecting whatever that reason is they find those connections
0: it's a new means for doing that yes for connecting
1: yes and So I want to, before we move on to a different category, Mm -hmm. one thing I want to drive into here is I was having, because I can't go any episode without mentioning my mom. This is (laughs) a new, it's the challenge of the year. How can I integrate her? And she had listened to Evie's episode three, which I was like, oh my God, if she's already like... She basically had this opinion of like, oh, I just like I'm scared by all of this technology, and I thought, oh right, oh my god, if she's scared by Evie's episode, please don't
0: listen to Mike's. Don't go any further. Yeah. <laughs> Stop there.
1: Stop.
0: You know what? Right away now. We're not doing
1: the podcast anymore. You know? <laughs> don't
0: even don't even listen. Yeah, I Nothing just Lie to since her. Then. Yeah. We're done.
1: <laughs> uh, but I also well, she had a funny it gets anecdote. so Much worse. <laughs> yeah, she had a hilarious anecdote there, which is she said, "Oh well, uh, you know, it's all just I just prefer the real world," and she goes, "But you know." I'm just old, and you know, I did cry when your father used uh, uh, the microwave to warm up tea instead of using the tea Whoa. kettle, which just like encapsulates <laughs> that to me is a hilarious. By the way, they're divorced but good friends now.
2: Okay. So and they can it's laugh just about like
1: it. I laugh so much about it because that just encapsulates so much about their relationship to me. It's like my yeah. dad trying to just microwave some hot water and my mom <laughs> c- crying. Okay, (laughs) I'm like, oh, what a wonder that you guys didn't work out. Okay, so Uh, uh, but (laughs) I mean, she had this connection with her. It's very fascinating to me. So she she would watch her. She had a very close relationship with her great grandmother and her great grandmother was is was Scottish. And she would always Mm -hmm. heat up tea and serve tea in this old fashioned tea kettle. And so that to her was more than just heating up tea. I think oh. that there's this feeling of yes, there's stuff where we're scared about microwaves and what they can do, and we're often scared. Like it, something always feels inauthentic or maybe there's or unnatural when we add new mechanisms of doing something. Like,
0: like you add a new layer to it somehow, yeah. which is the the tea kettle, or yeah. in this instance, it's the microwave. Yeah, that I mean, devalues it somehow.
1: So. Yeah. So I think that there's there's always a couple of reasons people struggle with certain technological advancements. Yeah. Let's take the microwave for existence. For for existence. <laughs> for example, <laughs> for it, <laughs> let's take the microwave for it that, exists.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that whiskey is starting to get to me. Uh-oh. <laughs> so the microwave obviously is amazing in many ways and how it can quickly heat things up. But then there's all these this talk about cancer and yada yada and what it could potentially be causing. And there's like this old-fashioned sense of don't use a microwave. My sister doesn't right. doesn't use a microwave. And I live that way for a little bit drives me crazy because I drink my I like my coffee really hot. Now I'm just on a whole different topic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this has just turned into a tricky <laughs> tangent. So anyways, We're like excusing microwaving coffee. So
1: anyways, this is how I like <laughs> my coffee. Oh
0: god, <laughs> okay, I'm no. shaking my head at this. Okay, <laughs> this
1: so so, no. <laughs> all right, so, but, so microwaves give us a lot of benefit. There are some genuine health scares that people have.
0: Genuine in that it's not unreasonable to be scared of new technologies, just on principle that it's something new and it you don't know what the effect is.
1: Well, yes, and but, I think there's literally, now, this is something I need to look up, but... Right. I believe there's actual stuff about, like, microwaves causing radi- radiation or something like that. There's well, something I mean, about microwaves. Micro-
0: microwave radiation is a thing. Yeah. Um, but the way that they're built is not, like, no significant amount of radiation actually escapes the Faraday cage of the microwave. Yeah. It's literally a, a, a metal mesh that is built inside of that container that is the right, like, the holes are the right size that it blocks out any of that microwave wavelength. Okay. Of energy. So it, it doesn't get to escape that box, and it turns off immediately and dissipates when you open the door. It's instant. Uh, so there's, like, it, there's like maybe there's trace amounts of microwave radiation, but it's not significant compared to the overall ambient environmental in, uh, okay. energy. So, like, Fine. it's I'll it's believe not you because I
1: don't know it enough to contradict you, but... <laughs> Uh, okay, so riddle me this. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? <laughs> so starts to be that giggly, giggly portion of the night. Okay, so why do you use a hot water tea kettle instead of the microwave for tea?
0: I think I actually, me personally, I've got nostalgia with a tea kettle.
1: Yeah, okay, so oh my god.
0: But I actually, I prefer an actual, like. I would prefer a tea kettle over a fireplace to... And a, a even a stove top tea kettle, but it's not something that I can do. And it because stove
1: top t- tea kettles take so long, there
0: there's just, just something. No, like it it takes it would take even longer to put a tea kettle over a fire and boil water. But, but you but, prefer that. I mean, if I could do that, I would do that. It you just, do love there's, fire. There's, <laughs> I mean, there's something like a good yule log in a fireplace in in your your warm cozy cabin in the middle oh, of yeah. winter time. I, there's just there is a nostalgia with visions of the past. And it feels like a very uh, it, it feels like a very olden, like simpler times perception of when you could go and put the kettle over the mantle um, at your fireplace yeah. and, and boil your water that way.
1: OK, so you're literally defending my mom's position right now. I'm, so, yeah. no, I'm, well,
0: I'm not. I am
1: <laughs> maybe defending. Is I am you're...
0: partially I am I am I'm saying that it's not unreasonable to feel that way in general. What I what I personally do feel is unreasonable is when you are confronted with information that shows that there's not a that that deconstructs some part of your rationale for why you you don't use do that thing mm-hmm. that you ignore it mm. and you say, well, I don't like it. Uh, I then, okay, totally agree. Yeah. So
1: there's a difference between having a knowledgeable preference, knowing that right. maybe it's a bit silly and nostalgic.
0: Yeah.
1: Or just nostalgic. Versus and and accepting the fact that like yep the microwave's no problem, mm-hmm. tea kettle, uh, the hot electric tea kettle, no problem. I yeah. just happen to have this preference because I'm old school.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's actually there's there's not like actually any difference or discernible difference in like mm-hmm. microwaved hot water versus boiled like mm-hmm. stovetop or electric kettle. I know boiled some people water, who but...
1: have very strong opinions about that.
0: I know they're like but...
1: disgusted <clears throat> by. <laughs> hot water being heated up in the microwave. That well, being coffee, said. Coffee,
0: though, once you start introducing other materials into there, like oils from coffee, mm. you could be breaking them down very differently. Like cooking an egg in the microwave versus on a stovetop is very different.
1: Mm. All right. Well.
0: <laughs> it's more we'll complicated. We'll a whole once episode you...
1: about microwaves. I don't even know. <laughs> Should we just talk about microwaves for the rest of it? I don't even know what we were talking about. No. Uh, I
0: think that. <laughs> microwave whatever you want. That's yeah. actually the name of this episode. Yeah.
1: So, all right, so what I was going to bring up with regards to that category of connection is that my mom basically had this opinion of, I just prefer real life, and she is scared by all this technology. But what we're talking about in this category is how much, is basically like what you get in real life. We're talking about social connection, connection. So I want to bring up, we had talked about that conscious, the journey of consciousness, or I'm... Uh, do you? We were just talking about it on a different the journey, thoughts on thoughts the, journey of the consciousness. conscious existence, conscious existence that experience in VR. You were talking about how you showed oh, it oh, to your oh, family.
0: The, oh, the three sixty experience. Yeah. Right, right. So it's a it's a it, on that spectrum of interactivity. It is passive, meaning that you can't do anything to the environment around you. You're just kind of along for the ride.
1: Yes. Now, when I experienced that. It was so beautiful, and I have a specific image in my head. It takes you through a lot of different things, like you had Mm -hmm. mentioned, maybe a kind of womb-like feeling. It feels like you're in a womb. Space feeling. you're
0: in nebulas. Right,
1: but one of them is you're going over this like these green grasses, and you have these trees around you. Yeah. And I remember this feeling of- Rays of light kind of going through the branches. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that feeling of that- Awestruck beauty and wanting to reach out and just kind of touch the leaves mm-hmm. of the trees, drag
0: your fingers through the tall grass, and, totally, yeah.
1: And that has that effect that that connection experience for me. So this that experience would be would fall somewhere in between the entertainment and the connection category, mm-hmm. uh, because it really did have this weird meditative connection feeling with the world.
0: So, what it sounds like you're describing, and what we experience in that kind of situation is the connect that feeling of connection is actually just feeling very innately tied to or connected to like a part of the space that you're in. Mm -hmm. And that could be people around you, Mm -hmm. and that could be the middle of the mountains and gazing out at the horizon and valleys splaying out before you, but somehow you feel part of this thing that is bigger than yourself. Yeah. The, at least, yeah. Your your self-center.
1: Well, so yeah, and drugs can do this. Totally. So a or lot of Or at least
0: they 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 blur the the normal edges of your sensory Right. Like, and your, so your certain
1: drugs space. are known to give you that type of connection experience. Things like I mean
0: like DMT or DMT.
1: Like that? that's, yeah. a, that's actually the exa- exact example. For anyone who doesn't know what DMT is, it's a drug that is supposedly th- a chemical that's released when you're born and when you die. Well, and right. it yeah. sounds like a – you should just look it up. It's a really bizarre <laughs> – it's a really bizarre experience. I've never done it, but I've right, heard that it's a really bizarre experience. And But that generally a lot of people have similar – experiences with it and that it mm-hmm. causes a feeling, I think it's pretty inexplicable, but we'll call it connection of some sort, like yeah. some different perspective on the world and their connection to that world.
0: It's like, I mean, when you're in that moment where you're you're passing through these pastures and fields and a forest and there are tree branches uh, undulating above you and rays of light shining down your face and you start to feel that warmth and want to reach out and run your fingers through the grass and the tree branches. Yeah. You... It's like your edges are blurring, yeah the the edges of what you perceive as yourself are blurring. It's like what happens sometimes in a meditative state or maybe under uh certain chemicals like dmt it it kind of it it blurs the lines where you normally say, this is where I end and everything else begins. yeah, this is the edge,
1: yeah, which feels like I think there are certain things that are innate in in people or animals, yeah. for instance, my cats do that thing or they. They eat and they do that scratchy thing where they're like burying their food. Well, yeah, that too. The kneading. Oh,
2: right. Um, but Which that's more like
1: learned from taking childhood. milk from the mother. But right. uh, I'm talking about when they like try to they they scratch the ground because they're trying to hide, uh, basically store their food for right. for later. But if you have people have cats that have only ever lived in homes and been domesticated that mm-hmm. do this. They never needed right. to save their food for later, and they're not actually... They're scratching at a wooden floor or yeah. a tile floor. There's nothing that they're burying or storing. Nevertheless, they do this activity. Yeah. And I think there are things in all animals that are like that, this innate understanding. And Those for, are our instincts that are... Right. Yeah. And for us, it, there is something about like touch or the fact that... To your point about how certain lines get blurred, it's like, oh, you just reach out like you don't even know it. you just kind of reach out and want to feel that without thing and explore it. Yeah, yeah without even thinking about it and that is that was a big thing for me where okay this is something in vr that's very different i don't do that in when i'm reading a book and i don't right. do that when yeah. i'm watching a movie <laughs> but i got this feeling of like oh i just want to do exactly what i might want to do in real life mm-hmm. but i'm in a safe space where i and an Im- imaginary place where I'm floating, and in this beautiful world that is like made up for me, but and and I can reach out and maybe touch this tree if I want to. Now in this experience, they didn't have interaction, so nothing was yeah. going to happen if I reach out.
0: The, the environment won't respond to you. It's still um, it's still right passive,
1: right? Which but. is which is fine. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But the point is, like, okay, so what does that really do for us? Why why? do something like that in VR and how can you sell that to somebody like my mom? So for me, I think it has something to do with that safe space that it's not that, yes, I get it that when you put on a headset or when you're looking at your phone or when you're looking at your computer, you're in a virtual space and you're not in the real world. But if you can accomplish the same things and the question becomes, so why do that in VR? hmm versus go out and touch a tree outside.
0: Right. Because you can't necessarily go out and touch the tree.
1: But I mean, okay, let's talk about you and I. We literally can go outside and touch well, a tree. So Yeah, why I do mean, that- I,
0: I can. But maybe I also can't because of time constraints, because I've been really busy with things lately. Or maybe I can't actually go to China and experience Mm. the Great Wall. Or maybe I can't actually meet with my friend Forrest because he's on the other side of the country. Maybe I can't actually see my family. Mm. Maybe I can't experience this historical setting um, that I really connect with because it it, it doesn't exist anymore. Or maybe it's a story or a place that I really relate to but is totally imaginary. It's just... They're things that you kind of like consciously want to connect with at some level, but you don't have to be physically handicapped in order to be limited uh, from the things that you desire to connect with or the connections that you desire to make. Yeah. Like we all have that as a deficiency. We all have a deficiency of connect or connectedness. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Well, well I was going to say, I think that that's... F- totally fair and that's almost like the easy answer which is like of yeah. course if you can't connect with somebody like yeah I'd love to connect with my sister mm-hmm. in Spice Girl Tea Party coming soon <laughs> obviously in person and I know Charlie's gonna give me shit for this <laughs> hey Charlie
0: we do need to talk about this but now.
1: like yes in person is almost always better like I I don't
0: we should talk about the difference oh, between
1: the two. Oh, God. It's yeah. like, so this is, this is hard because I think all of these things can exist at once. So let's say, I don't know if this is a great example, but I'm going to go with it. Do you want to experience a story through a book or go out in the world and experience life? Well, like both have a place in my heart. I love going and living a story, Mm -hmm. but I also love experiencing that story through the lens of somebody else and having this fiction thing happen to me. Right. And they both have a place. Now, when we're talking about human connection, I do think that because there are so many, because we read off of people's body language and all these nuanced, tiny things with their faces and and what they're doing when they're talking, it's the easiest form of connection for somebody like me. But there's a lot of people who actually prefer being hidden a little bit and they yeah. feel like they can open up a little bit more that maybe way. They,
0: maybe they have social anxiety in some capacity. Right. And so be actually being face to face with people. is problematic because you're overwhelmed with the feeling of being vulnerable or something in that state. Yeah. And so it's uncomfortable for whatever set of reasons this environment where you have that veil feels more safe and secure and feels like you're more capable of connecting.
1: Yeah. And now to give context, by the way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sorry.
1: My friend Charlie, who I love, and he's a great fan of the show – was basically giving a shit for saying like we'd prefer in person recordings when we're talking about VR all the time. Right now, and to be fair, like he was, he was very nice about it and was totally understanding. <laughs> and that is a totally fair thing to to laugh at us for. But I mean, it's
0: a VR podcast, and, yeah, and we're literally saying we're like we want to talk in is, person. Yeah, yeah, VR is inferior in this right. capacity right now.
1: Right, but I in
0: some in some
1: I think view. that everything has a place and also VR will get better and better where things like avatars will be able to show those expressions.
2: Yeah.
1: Or it'll kind of stay like, you know, cell phones, people seem I seem to be happy. I seem to almost prefer using emojis to mm. to state my emotions. I totally do. Yeah, so <laughs> so it could go either way. But there's
0: limits of the medium.
1: Yeah. And I think that it depends on what you want to do. I tend to like when I'm getting to know someone, meeting with them in person, reading their body language. I talked about this in a different episode. I feel kind of like robbed of all of that, which is why I struggle with social VR. That being said, um, social VR will introduce me to people that I wouldn't otherwise meet. Or even with like we did a thing recently where we played half and half and we got to play hide and seek. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Oh, my God. Well, I see the people I play that with, you know we see like uh all the time and yet i don't get to play hide and seek as like a miniature person and, and a really giant, giant person yeah. in this game can't remember if we talked about this game before but like we'll link it in the in the mm-hmm. show notes but F it's an amazing awesome. amazing game so Okay, so basically, the, you ha- there's different there's different reasons to do to do one or the other, and I think you can you can get a benefit out of any of them. But- I
0: think there's a useful exercise to go through here. Okay, um, so we should we should think about starting earlier on what is what are the limits um, of what can be communicated through and in what ways through each medium as it's evolved over time. I mean, we started out with just. There was, nobody had thought to put something, like to paint something, to draw a thing. So we were just talking, which is the base way that humans have interacted, right?
1: Wait, were there, this is actually, I don't know, this is a Mm -hmm. dumb question. Do you know for sure that people used language before they used pictures?
0: Um, Maybe we used some form of sign language before we had, like verbal language. I guess that's possible, but... We, in some capacity, whether it was auditory or it was visual with like hands and whatnot, we had to be communicating with one another. Yeah. And imagine, I mean, the common imagination of that is that we were like using grunts and stuff and that slowly formed into actual language.
1: Yeah. Or, I don't or,
0: know. or actual language. Or like, I guess specific. I'm
1: thinking of cave art. And right. so I'm like, okay, well, what was used like that versus trying to sign language versus actually trying to have a spoken language? Oh, that's
0: an, int- I've, that's an interesting question. Like, did. Did we have the ability to represent, to, like, recreate something we saw via cave art before or after we developed language? Yeah. So, oh, God, that's, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying
1: the, to, like, very quickly yeah. look this go, up. I'm like, what came I don't, first? I,
0: that is, that's a really language. interesting question. Though. Oh, of course, the
1: first thing is language or thought. That's a whole um, language theory, which I love. Uh,
0: Which that's gonna like get into like Nom Chomsky or Nom Chomsky and all that about just theory. We don't need to
1: go there. Yeah. Okay.
0: I think that's that's getting too deep into that right now. Uh but that is an interesting question.
1: Ooh, there's an article Um, on Nat Geo that says ancient cave drawings and early human language linked in new study. So we don't know and we don't need to get into it, but let's move on without digging in there and we'll we'll link some stuff in the show notes. So okay, go on.
0: But So the earliest things that we can look at, though, are recorded of, like, an external representation. Maybe before cave art, maybe you could describe something having happened or describe a a, a scene to a person. So, like, let's just assume that that happened. And then you, maybe around the same time or simultaneously, we started to develop ability, say, like, we could describe that thing. I can also, like, draw it. I can take some clay and paint on this wall. I can represent it in two dimensions. And so that started to evolve and we gained the ability to think about perspective in two dimensions. And then we went through all these different evolutions of refining our ability to paint and portray scenes, three-dimensional scenes, but in 2D. And then eventually we started writing books. So we refined language more where we could, we could actually like write down a story over time. But it's probably that we always thought about things as stories, as a progression of events. So, like, what I want to get down to, the question that I want to ask you to um, is, like, what what are the limits of a, a 2D representation mm-hmm. and what you can communicate there? And then, what are the limits of uh, a book, a, a written sort of right. story, and then a movie mm-hmm. or, like, te- television, essentially, like a framed 2D mm-hmm. sort of story portrayed? And then we move to Interactive mediums like video games and then like VR, where essentially at this point, the big difference is that the frame is gone. You're mm-hmm. you you are put into it. So, like, we can kind of set that aside. Let's start with uh, things like books or written language and then pictures, mm-hmm. two dimensional pictures that are limited somehow in their scope.
1: Right. <laughs> so, I think books are all about describing and. Literally, I mean, we know from literature how in depth they would go about certain descriptions like uh, this, there was a table, that table was mahogany. There was a lock on it that, you know. The, right, the, just like
0: painting a scene.
1: Exactly. It's, it's describing it so that it's guiding your imagination mm-hmm. into this world so you can escape into that world and know exactly what that person was trying to get across
0: yeah like each of those words creates a concept and you kind of implant those concepts into a a perceived space
1: right i think there was it might be in an upcoming episode but at some point we talk or talked about how some vr experiences will they'll show what images can look like as as you are imagining them, mm-hmm. meaning uh, the example that's used is something like on notes on blindness was which is an experience. Mm-hmm. It it it's showing what this blind person is imagining based on what they hear, right? And so that's how I envision what books are doing for us. Yeah, it's describing something and then in great detail. So that we can imagine it. Yeah. But we have a lot of space to fill in for ourselves. Everyone is imagining something a little bit different. In fact, it's always fascinating to talk with people (laughs) about something like. How did they imagine uh, a a character or a place looked in Harry Potter. Or what butterbeer tasted like.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) And that's
1: why it's so funny because I think that. Movies that are adaptations or Mm -hmm. theme parks like Harry Potter World are trying to bring that all to life Mm -hmm. in the way that was described in the book and what the author thinks. And people are really attached to how they imagine those things. Yeah, and when
0: it's different, they get really upset. Yeah, which is why they
1: hate adaptations. But if it's very well described and everybody has the same idea of it, I think that links to some sort of – greater success with something like a theme park because everyone's like yes this is yeah. exactly how i imagine or at least
0: the the source material was communicated in enough detail that everyone converged on a similar perception
1: right and then there's things more abstract things like poems or other forms of written language that have people can perceive them in many different ways yeah and maybe that they're they intentionally, yeah, written that way. It's the same way that songs are specifically written so that people can insert their own story mm-hmm. into that. So anyways, I think it's... Does it's, music
0: evoke imagery for you? as, like, uh, it, it, maybe if it do, Think about it first without lyrics.
1: Imagery, I don't know. But I know that I insert my own stories.
0: Well, I mean, if you're imagining a story, I would assume that you're imagining some sort of... Maybe not imagery, because you could be blind and and still experience some sort of series of events, but there are there are things there's like a sequence of things that you kind of imagine in response to hearing the yes, music. and
1: actually to to I, to your point i I like thinking of what a music- what music video I would create for some. <laughs> For some songs. Yeah, exactly. So there's definitely imagery link. There's stories that I fill in, but Mm -hmm. the point is, okay, so what does the written word do to us it or do for us? It describes something so we can imagine, or describes something enough. It creates some sort of structure Mm -hmm. of feelings that we can insert ourselves into and perceive it one way or the other. And it creates emotion through that. Yeah. Okay. That's the written word. So let's talk about. Photos. Let's talk about a still photo image or painting, where it's just one scene represented at a time.
0: A picture is worth a thousand words. There you
1: go. <laughs> so, I think that paintings have the same thing. They can be abstract, and you can fill in their, your own story, or they can yeah. be very realistic. Photos, obviously, if it's like uh, a photo, basically means that it can it's supposed to be realistic. Uh, but the point but is like.
0: They... <sighs> Photos can still evoke a bunch of, ab- uh, when I say abstract, I mean like detached from what is actually presented there. Yeah. it's You can see exactly the image in front of you and then your mind immediately adds a bunch of other
1: right. well, thoughts,
0: visions, concepts, things to it.
1: Yeah, that's why in film, there are certain people that go by the rule every scene a painting or mm-hmm. people who are respected for that reason mm-hmm. because that means that literally They take care of every single frame you see to make sure that that evokes a certain feeling the same way a painter or a photographer would decide back in the day when there wasn't like a ton of digital options and you had to do like, you know, one and done. You had to choose
0: between Nikon and Canon or whatever. Then
1: you really had to be specific about what you were trying to communicate and how you get that in one scene. Yeah, But that's so that's visual. So. The, what's the difference then between visual and what that gives us versus versus the written word And I right now the way I think about it is that it helps bring our imagination to life. So I love talking about Twilight. I'll use that as an example. That's well now we're getting expression. into mo- to, into moving picture right. but let's just get into it. So
0: yeah I, they're kind of synonymous. I mean yeah. you you add movement to an image when you see right. It.
1: So I guess with something like Twilight, I read that book. And as with things like Hunger Games, Twilight, uh, Harry Potter, these end up becoming successful in movies, Mm -hmm. no matter how bad they are. (laughs) Because we all want to see our imagination come to life. We want to live through it again. And we want to see like I imagined Edward and I want him to magically appear in my room. Now we always get disappointed because it's not going to (laughs) be. It's not exactly. Exactly who it is. Except of course, I was never disappointed with Robert Pattinson, (laughs) just to be clear. But it brings that to life. And now the challenge goes back to that whole spectrum of what is the benefit of abstract versus real mm-hmm. which is like we can insert ourselves and in. as soon as we start seeing visual representations of something i think it's harder to do that
0: it's harder to to abstract from it or yeah add. because
1: well the reason
0: there's like there's less there's less room for additive uh visual imagination at least to the scene right
1: So I think our imagination is at its maximum when, well, maybe when there aren't any words and it's just your imagination. But when there are words, it's guiding your imagination. And then when there's visuals, it's kind of just like, yep, this is what you should see. So then your imagination might go into, I don't know what, like I guess how much of your imagination is involved when you're watching a movie. It's kind of just like handing it to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, what? where is there, I, I guess the question is, where is there room for interpretation in a movie? Right. It's not in what does the scene look like, which is usually where people go off the rails in different directions in books, um, or even in, think, like, a still image, you still, mm. maybe you imagine the movement differently. But it's a little bit more reined in when it's visually centered. So, like, a movie, the the room for interpretation then kind of gets abstracted up to, it bubbles up to, relations maybe interactions between different entities in the movie whether that's the environment and a character or different characters and mm. the dynamics between those different entities in the story
1: i mean i think it might just have to do with that it takes less effort it's really easy to watch a movie it's like yeah. i don't have to put any effort in and i can escape into the world that's presented to me and it's a safe space for me to be a hero kick a villain's ass, explore a new world. It's just a safe space that I am super passive at. Like I literally, the reason people were scared of TV and kids watching TV is they think it's gonna, it's obviously easier to do that than it is to read. Like it's known that reading is supposed to be better for your brain.
0: Because you have to put more active effort into it.
1: Yeah, you have to imagine it. You have to do the work to imagine that world that's being described.
0: Right, you're actively constructing it. Okay, the 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 natural progression though from this point is okay, well, that's just in a frame. So if we move forward to VR or video games, then there's even less imagination okay, so involved let's if we move follow to video that train of logic because yeah, I've been thinking about this. So yeah. now
1: up until this point, hmm, oh man. <laughs>
0: We're digging ourselves into a really interesting hole and I know. I, this is an enjoyable process to figure out. I, th- I think this is really useful because it's like a total devil's advocate of like, okay, well, if from that view, there is less imagination, mm-hmm. less active mental engagement. Meaning if you, if you want to look at it from like the Daniel Kahneman, like thinking fast and slow perspective, there is the fast thinking, which is literally just everything you do passively. You observe things happening when you use your slow brain. And again this is just a model, but it's useful to some extent Use the slow brain when somebody asks you a math question and you have to stop and think about it or somebody asks you to remember some specific thing and you're like, "Oh God and you stop walking for a second all these other automatic things stop and you have to think really hard you have to do mental work athletics to try to recall this thing or try to imagine some situation that's the that's the the thinking process that for whatever reason we we think is is more educational or value valuable when kids are reading a book versus when they're watching TV mindlessly.
1: So thinking right? fast is the mindless one? Yeah. And thinking slow is trying to actively work through it? it.
0: Sure. I don't know if this would actually be like you would actually want to align these concepts okay. from his official perspective, but I'm just going to use that analogy here okay. for passive, very automatic things that don't take much active brain power. That's like just passively watching TV. Mm. Whereas actively reading a book, I mean, that does become an automatic thing. Like if you've, if you're practiced at reading a book, it doesn't take much effort to pick up a book and start reading it. That's a, that's a part of your brain that you've exercised and you get used to it. Mm. Um, so like after, <laughs> if you were to look at it that way, it's almost like the more you read books, the less useful it becomes to read books. If you want to say that the, the active engaged thinking process is what's valuable, so, like, that's almost a misnomer.
1: Well, oh, my God. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, if you say that the more you practice a sport, the, the less, less effort it, takes, it becomes.
0: The less mental yeah. effort it takes.
1: Right. I don't know. I don't even want to go there. So, a couple of things. Yeah. So, one is, <laughs> as you were saying that, I was thinking, some the active versus passive thing, some of that is directed or, it, it, in other words, it's, it's intentional, which is, a book is created to make you actively think pretty hard like a charles dickens book uh, a mystery or something like that i don't versus well okay versus uh or a movie is harder to watch or to unpack versus a, a you know a superhero movie so i think that there's some like within each thing someone can first of all there's like the whoever created it wants it to fall under more active or passive and then there's in every one of those mediums the human involved some people really don't want to i was just reading beloved with a group of people and some people really didn't want to put that active effort in she writes Mm. uh tony morrison who wrote it is writes in a form of poetry that is difficult it's difficult to read and you have to often reread stuff to think Did I understand what she was just saying? Yeah. And there were some things where we would end up talking about it and I realized I missed it entirely, like big scenes where she wrote it in such a poetic way that I genuinely didn't get what she was saying. (laughs) Uh, And that went in all directions. Everyone Mm -hmm. had different experiences with that. And some people really didn't like it because, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that was because they were unable to get in an active reading mindset. Right. And I mean it's just like listening or something. It's like actively listening versus passive. So, anyways, that's all uh, like choice the, as well.
0: So okay. So this but this is a really good point to bring up. So thank you for revisiting that. You this is another bad. genuine thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Kelly. Um, this is why these are great conversations. So like it's it's an oversimplification, essentially, is the point there to say it's an oversimplification to say that reading is more mentally stimulating than watching a movie. Because you could watch a movie like uh, maybe Shutter Island, which was that that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. where like you're trying to figure out what the hell was going on mm-hmm. the entire time and what was real and what wasn't, and like by the by the end of that, you're just like, what the fuck just happened?
2: Yeah, you
0: you're. It's not a relaxing experience. It's not something where you zoned out and just relied on your fast brain to just observe the story as it went. Is very much. Oh God! What the hell is going on right now? I don't understand. So you're thinking, you're actively engaging the slow brain. You're actively engaging that sort of like deliberate, deliberate thinking the mm-hmm. whole time. Whereas you could also watch a movie or read a book that is easy reading or an easy watch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You put very little effort into it. It's literally just kind of like background noise yeah. to 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 zone out. Yeah, you don't want to think while you're doing this. There are books like that. Of course. There's also pictures or paintings that are just, like, easy to look at and be like, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, whatever. That's super. Pretty. Yeah. That's really. It's like, or, like, looking. At, <laughs> I don't want to disparage everybody that's ever gotten to a mental uh, rabbit hole of looking at cat p- pictures on the Internet. But, like, I've done it, too. And cat.
1: It's cat. Cat pictures. Okay.
0: Like, just, like, going down a meme rabbit hole where yeah. it's just like, oh, this is, like. Straightforward. I don't have to think about it. Everything's just kind of funny, or everything's just ridiculously cute. You're not thinking much while you're doing that, and the point is not that that is inferior somehow. It's just it's you are mentally checking out a little bit and just Mm -hmm. kind of going into the fast brain autopilot. Yeah. In all of those mediums, it's not that reading is more engaged by default than movies. It's not that like m- that movies are somehow superior or that reading was superior because there were there were easy and difficult parts of or or examples of that particular type of content in that medium no th- matter which yeah. one you're talking about
1: I agree and I disagree a little bit okay. which is which is that I still think the visual is easier than reading There is something no matter if you're reading a children's book like the Dragon Eats Tacos or whatever that one is.
0: <laughs> what? I've never Honestly, even Honestly,
1: children's book, books fascinate me. There's like a okay. whole book about just how dragons, dragons love tacos. T-
0: huh.
1: I'm, I'll never figure out the name. Don't okay. worry, you guys. Show, <laughs> note, show notes. I'll link it. It's, it's a great one. It's one of those children's books that you read and you're like, I could write a children's book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing stopping me from doing this.
1: Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Uh, so... Okay, so reading that, uh, actually, children's books have images and <laughs> words. So this is like a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: That, well, that's that's just an example of like, right? It's usually,
1: but I still think that there is something harder about that. It's like you have to. A lot of people read by saying the words out loud in their head, mm-hmm. and so, so that's you're you're putting more effort in, no matter what, compared to having just sitting back and having images, light shot into your eye.
0: So your your argument is that objectively on some like physical level in the way that we process information visuals are easier to process than language written language.
1: I think I might be saying that, yeah.
0: Okay. What if you're now, blind? No, I
1: still agree. Okay, wait, hold on. I still <laughs> I still agree with what I said that you expanded on, which is that the level i don't think that one is active and one is passive i think they both have versions
0: of each they're both on that same but
1: i think that people are more likely to watch a movie than read a book because it's easy and people are more likely to go look at instagram and look at cat memes Mm -hmm. because that's even easier than watching a movie that makes you think because of a story right it's so People like easy things. We all do.
0: We we're all mentally lazy. <laughs> we like literally. We are. We don't. We you don't. It's not pleasant to to have your your brain mentally for, yeah, engaged,
1: right? Which is also why in the movies people like. Well, there's many reasons to this, but people love. There is an audience for the sequels and the and the <laughs> the the superhero movies. It's just uh, fucking easy to go in. And watch something like that versus yeah. to watch uh, Moonlight mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yeah. So, and then and then yeah, there's a whole like, you know, studio side of that, which is that it's tried and true and there's an IP they can rely on. And that's why those things are pumped out. But also yeah. there's an audience for them so that that all ties together. But so I do think that there is an easier thing when it comes to to certain visuals. Um but yeah, I'm sure we could pick that apart and there is like a lot of modern art that is certainly not easy. <laughs> so this actually leads me to
0: Right. There's there's visual like there there's there was a trend and I, I'm not uh in touch with modern art enough to 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 make an educated statement on this. Outside of the fact that a lot of modern art became very simplistic
2: mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. many
0: regards, like literally framing a napkin on the wall, and you have to think really hard, like why is that artistic? What the hell was the artist trying to communicate by putting a napkin in a picture frame? Right. What the hell is the point of that? But that's almost in itself the point is that they wanted, or to like fuck
1: with you. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, but, but not, I cannot stand. <laughs> modern art. I'm so sorry. I yeah, just can't. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing like a red dot and them being like, this is World War II. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> just come on.
0: <laughs> it's almost like you're you're. they're literally giving you so little, such a deficiency of uh, or a deficit of yeah. visual input, visual yeah. information that it's literally, it's almost all imagination. Just just generate yeah. uh, concepts and visualizations around <laughs> that initial tiny little triggered dot on the I'm canvas.
1: Thinking of so many things right now. One is there's, <laughs> I started watching that show called fleabag, which is a great show on Hulu, I think. And it's a British show, uh, and bottom line, there's this scene where uh, there's this stepmom who the main character can't stand, who's holding an art show. And she had one of her art pieces stolen by the main character because she can't stand her. And then she represents the the art piece that's... She's like, oh, I have a new piece, and it's called Stolen Art Piece. And the stolen art piece was just like an empty... Uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, I forget what those things are called, the little uh, pedestal. Yeah. And there was nothing on top of the pedestal. And she was calling that art piece, Stolen art, oh which is just like empty space, oh that God. cracks me up. Also, it's so funny because I was just thinking of this today. Where in sophomore year of high school, I did a play that was called "The Apple," mm. and it the concept of the play it was brilliant. <laughs> and I, and it, the concept of this play was that somebody was eating an apple in a museum. And they placed the apple down on a pedestal or something, and and it was partially bitten, and then they forgot about it. And Um, everyone comes in afterwards wondering what the meaning of the apple is. Oh, my God. (laughs) And that's what the whole play was about. And I remember – this uh, is totally pointless, but I remember that I think the apple was – Green, maybe, and I said something like, "I remember that my line had something to do with like, oh, what if the apple was yellow?" And I was like, "Speed up before the apple turns red," and that got so many laughs. Oh god, it was so stupid. But I have no memory except for weird things like that. Right. Anyways, okay. So we,
0: we I don't, I don't think we we need to get into a debate over like what the meaning of art is in this episode. Perhaps we can no, do that. No, but in a...
1: okay. But I do. Okay, I uh-huh. do want to dive into one thing. Okay, which is somebody recently. Was talking to me about the concept of okay, what what do you consider good art? And in this, oh, and God, I know God. that I know that this is a whole thing, but so I, I'll try to I'll try yeah. to it is subjective, but uh, I'll try to like reel this all back in. Mm-hmm. But it was basically that he defined it as uh, something that really shocks you so he's the type of person that likes requiem for a dream
0: right and i like makes him think
1: right and i like well mm, i don't know i'm like (laughs) (laughs) requiem for a dream i'm sorry didn't really make me think made me want to stop
0: watching it uh but making you think too much
1: (laughs) yeah maybe because there's plenty of things that make me want to think that aren't just like so in my face
0: well that maybe i I would, I would still stand by it. it. makes you think so much that it's like literally overwhelming. You're like, oh, God, this is so foreign or so different from what my comfort zone. It's so far outside mm-hmm. my normal scope of, of my normal psyche, the way that yeah. I look at the world, that it's just too uncomfortable. And I'm going to turn off because I don't want to like this is just unpleasant. There's there's not enough value in it Yeah, that is worth you going through that mental discomfort.
1: I think to avoid just getting so off topic we can't come back. Right. I'm going to say, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick up one word you said there, which was comfort, which is what mm-hmm. this had to do with, which he felt like uh I said I I typically define how much I like something by how much I want to re experience it and re examine right. it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like, oh my God, I loved watching uh some Adam Sandler movie a million times, which by the way it didn't. <laughs> uh but but, you know, people like – so, yes, okay, that can be picked apart too. The more I watch something, that could be something stupid. But mm. There's plenty of things that I just – I feel like I want to read that book again right away or play that game again right away. And I define things as how much I like them by that. And he said that so that's a, just yeah. soothing. That's not art. That's soothing. And so there was this whole yeah. concept there.
0: Wow. So. Okay. I, I agree with one aspect of what he just said, which is that, yes, there's very much like a comfort notion or a a relatableness of it was a pleasant experience for you because either you felt like you were a part of it or you connected with it or it was like it was relevant to you somehow and it felt right. And so you wanted to go through that again. So it was comfortable. It was soothing. But I don't agree that it's not art because of that. I know. That's how I feel. That, that – yeah, that that's a – that is – he was saying it's not art because it was a, it was a his subjective interpretation of for him art is not soothing art mm-hmm. is it makes you so uncomfortable that you have to think a ton about it right It's not when things are comfortable when things are comfortable that's not art to him right so like
1: <laughs> well, art is
0: actually like your idea of what you yeah it's what you idealize which right. Uh, maybe maybe so, I, uh, I know <laughs> oh, okay God. so
1: how do we reel this back in which so well, we're i going feel towards like video games interactivity. I know. okay thank you and also i feel like to to bring that back in and connect it i feel like <laughs> all i'm doing is throwing stuff out there that will help us as we relisten and try to like diagram it is mm-hmm. what are some other lenses or elements and some of what we've been talking through is well what is Active or passive, what is easy or not, like what is comfortable and uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. Because
1: that adds something to these experiences as well and what they give to us or not.
0: It I feel like it's really interesting that we are so like our our psyche, our 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 sort of mental ability and just experience of the world is so flexible that one person is able to develop. A an attachment to the idea of experiencing discomfort, like psychological shock of of experiencing something like Requiem for a Dream, and then somebody else is able to uh, attach them their their ideal to a feeling of belonging and comfort in the environment and like a soothing experience, and that the thing that the other person found as where they want to be is so drastically different. And it's, it, that's just insane that that we are that mentally, psychologically flexible that. Yeah. That's where like that subjectivity becomes infinitely broad. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel You like can learn anything.
1: There's to, also so many reasons for that, uh, not to dive into it too much, but I feel like it could, it's obviously based on things that are happening in somebody's life. I often see that one of my sisters and my mom want more easy, passive things, but they're both mm-hmm. nurse practitioners and deal with shit day in, day out. Like, right. of course they would want something yeah they have one of they're the toughest jobs right from... they're looking for relief whereas somebody who who doesn't have that who's a bit more of an artist or a designer is looking for that challenge yeah. on a daily basis so okay so all right bringing it back so there's so many freaking
0: <laughs> like so who's many with us fra- yeah we <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> still here <laughs> if you're still here yeah <laughs> if you didn't get lost in that fractal <laughs> tangential conversation yeah. whatever Video games so is like the next games. step in this yeah. process. now this you brings add me to.
1: So, would you define any of the mediums we've been talking about mm-hmm. as playing at all?
0: Um, I I feel like that term is kind of synonymous with a lot of how we look at the world because there you can almost describe like everything that we do in either that sort of play state or what was, oh God, what were the terms that Evie was using um, to describe play versus uh, non-play type experiences? Um, they're like, they're like two mindsets. Mm, I don't remember yes. exactly. She literally had a doctorate on this, right? right. Um, this whole concept of play versus uh, focus. But, um play is the exploratory like creative open-ended it's just you're poking around you're exploring the space you're trying to figure out or you're not trying to do anything actually you're just you're just exploring wandering it's creative it's almost like it's not quite that sort of zen state it's just it's kind of free form Mm -hmm. um whereas the focused the focused way of thinking, where you have a goal in mind, and you're being you're you're intentional about the things that you do. That's like the other state,
1: right? So it was paratelic,
0: paratelic, and and
1: which is uh, motivation. Just to revisit it terms, quickly, real quick. Well, I know that we had a note about paratelic, and which is also known as. So paratelic there's this thing called play. reversal mm-hmm. theory, mm-hmm. is a theory of personality, motivation, and and emotion in the field of psychology. Yeah. It focuses on the dynamic qualities of normal human experience to describe how a person regularly reverses between psychological states. What?
0: There's, there's two though. There's paratelic and then not paratelic. What the hell is not paratelic? Was-
1: the domains are telic and paratelic. So telic, oh, telic is, is serious. Yeah. And paratelic or playful. Yeah. To refer to when one is – to whether one is motivated by achievement and future goals, which is telic, or the enjoyment of the process in the moment, which is paratelic.
0: Okay. To to clarify, okay, we, we went over this with Evie many episodes ago at this point. There was – Telic and paratelic. Telic is the more focused state. It's like kind of goal oriented. It's motivated towards a particular thing. It's like you're trying to you're trying to do something with intent. And then paratelic is the playful, exploratory, non. It's just like enjoy enjoyment of the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, paratelic, or telic and paratelic. But your question was, are all of these things?
1: My question was so far excluding video games because we're about to get there. Do you yeah. would you say that anything we've talked about in terms of storytelling, written word, visual images, we could call
0: all of these things representation motion pictures,
1: would you call any of those play? Would you say that um, our interaction with them has anything to do with play?
0: No. Okay. And I wouldn't say that they're not play. What I mean is that they're not exclusive to telic or paratelic they're not exclusive to play or focus I think you could have you could have a situ or
1: I think they would fall under the mindset of enjoyment rather than achieving a goal enjoying for enjoying sake because that's
0: I actually maybe I actually uh, feel I it could be both actually, I actually yeah. feel like so if you think of telic as um, as being like more you have to mentally focus when you're when you're engaged to think more or use the slow brain maybe I, this is this we are drawing so many assumptions here and maybe there's like some official views on this in the field but um telic my assumption is that Telic or being more sort of goal and motivation oriented in mindset is more active you have to like actively focus on something and you have to have an intent and a goal um, or thing that you're trying to do. And so if you're looking at a at a painting or reading a book that requires you to think a bunch in order to make any sort of conclusion about it, that is much it becomes much more telic. Whereas if you're looking at something that's just very easy on the eyes or it's very a very easy read or whatever, um, it could be potentially a telic sort of exploration. Maybe you're just kind of like <sighs> How could you? Maybe, maybe. I yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of like a a playful space
1: where you're going. Well, a sandbox. I don't know, a playground.
0: Yeah, but that we're getting out of the. So all of these things we've been talking about this far, the commonality is that we are taking something in the natural world and we are representing it. Yeah, it's. I do think that it's a representation.
1: I think we've crossed into entertainment by now, right? Remember we had those categories. So I feel like. We never fully answered the experience thing, but connection. we're getting the connection. Well, I, I no, think we did. we did to some extent. Okay, we
0: did. We just we started to it get morphed into, the into value entertainment
1: prop. without us officially morphing into the entertainment category. Yeah, uh, and perhaps it's all connected in some way.
0: That was that was one of my concerns when you brought up those, particularly of those two, is because um, connection. And you mentioned this way earlier as well as a disclaimer connection like entertainment in itself can be a, like you could describe entertainment as the satisfaction of feeling connected Mm
2: -hmm.
0: with some sort of space. Or maybe you watch Game of Thrones because somehow you relate to and connect with that environment Mm -hmm. and that world. And so it's entertaining to you. What we haven't tried to define, and maybe we don't need (laughs) to fully define Mm -hmm. this is like, well, what is entertainment then? Is entertainment uh, a satisfaction or a fulfillment from feeling connected with a with a medium, a con, a pe- some sort of content?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it all. The reason it all relates well for all the reasons you said, but also what we had done is we went back in time to figure out okay to help us in this conversation. The constraints. What are each. the What are the benefits of each each phase of some some form of each medium? Medium.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then maybe we'll come back to some of those categories. Obviously, we're generally talking about entertainment, which is related to connection. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: So entertaining it, <laughs> entertainment muddies the waters there because it's actually on a separate uh, axis. We were talking about, yeah, the constraints of each medium and, and the but different content. But this has nothing content.
1: to do with connection because we're not talking about – I think – I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like we've gotten – Off track, but still on track in general, meaning like we're in the category of entertainment, but we've gotten off track from connection because connection is more like we would be talking about the history of social interaction and the history of personal interaction with things.
0: You can connect with anything. Ugh. You can you can literally feel yeah. So this is what I'm saying. You got to separate it. We're we've the whole point of us going through that exercise of like what was what is the benefits what are what are the limitations of like written word and what are the limitations of kind of like imagery mm. and the, and the space of what imagery accomplishes. Mm. Then we went into movies, right? Moving and well, then video games. But that is all. Yeah. Of, entertainment can happen across all of those mediums. That's not actually useful to say that yeah. like. That we can define entertainment separately, but we were trying to move towards video games. Right? Well,
1: I, I hear you. Okay, mm. so let's, I will put a pin in this, but my okay. brain is struggling a little bit because, because we went, in my opinion, off track from, yeah. from the connection part. But let's come back. Back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason we got into all of this is because we were talking about the imagination, the power of the imagination, the benefit. And then we got into these different mediums. Yeah. So let's come back to feel to, at the end to see if we've made any conclusions about the connection about part. The connection ability. But right now yeah. I do genuinely feel like we are in the entertainment category more so than any other. That is what movies, books and video games are.
0: And writing and yeah. well, rec, all of it is entertainment. That's why I'm saying it's not actually. If everything is entertainment, I don't know what
1: we're arguing at this point. I, I'm I don't saying think we are. I'm saying all of the things that we are talking about right now are in the entertainment category, <laughs> not the connection category.
0: I I think so. My point here is actually that they're not actually different.
1: Ugh, fine. All right, we'll come. We'll come back to it. <laughs> if you I'll stop being annoying.
0: If you no, it's not annoying. I I'm the way I'm looking at it is that actually, and this is only through our conversation right now that I'm looking at it this way. Um, I'm starting to conclude that you you can't actually like, you wouldn't relate to inter- any sort of medium that is supposed to be entertaining unless you connected with it. So you actually have to have connection with a particular with some sort of content in order for it to be entertaining to you. Maybe. Hmm. But <laughs> we can come back to that. No, Maybe I think, can...
1: I think, yeah. Uh, uh, yes. And that connection can be created through that, I- experiencing that medium, through the story or whatever it is through that medium. Hmm. Meaning to have connection with something, sometimes people f- mean that by saying something already exists in you and you connect that with what's happening in that film you relate it too. or something yeah but but I don't think you need to relate to it I think it's often the benefit of these things is escapism where you're living something that you don't typically live so that's where I might disagree with the, escape okay. with the connection thing but you know what let's stick on the track of the video games and yeah. the play and then I think we can there's, return to this yeah okay
0: a little bit more clarity okay any, it's anywhere where we disagree is a really interesting diversion and needs to be explored. more. Well,
1: okay, so so going back to the whole game, so the re, the thing I was getting at is mm. that games introduce play. So video games. So okay, games have oh, all games okay. have always been yes. around. Games yeah. games have been around for a very long time in different forms. It's agency. Hold on. So, <laughs>
0: it's, okay.
1: it's not just about agency. I mean, games games always have certain goals. Like, if you think about sports, sports are games. Or you think about board games or other forms, or like checkers or something like that, or chess. Games have been around for a very long time, and mm-hmm. video games are an extension of games. They are not an extension as much of... Okay, wait, They're I'm going to pause. They are a total mix, yeah. And... They this is are a total it mixed, but it does get complicated. But because they have the name game in them, and they mostly became popular yeah. for people solving puzzles or accomplishing a goal through them, mm-hmm. they are they feel like a bit more like the sibling of other games, and the cousin of the more storytelling
0: what, passive. What, okay. I, we need Experience. to sep- we need to separate some things here because there's like we need to unpack some things. This is like we're trying to describe this describe this duffel bag of of shit, <laughs> like clothing, whatever the hell is in there. Maybe there's like old shoes, gym clothes. There's a lunch. We have no idea <laughs> what's inside, and we're trying to call it things. And we need to unzip that thing, drag everything out, spread it out, and actually point at that shit and say like, okay, that's what that is. So there's a couple elements there, games are they have they are all of the other things we already talked about they are representation with imagery or story described through verbal descriptions no not always if you
1: talk about sports you're talking about video games very specifically Okay, okay
0: that is that is true okay so maybe let's go back more fundamentally game but we are talking about video games so Right, Let's, but it's very
1: important to understand what a game means okay. when we talk about video games. So
0: maybe we, we should stop for a second. Let's jump back and say, all right, there's been this whole sort of evolution of mediums through which we represent something. We represent uh, imagery. We represent a story. We We always associate stories with these sort of like progressions of events. And even if you're looking at a still painting, you imagine some sort of movement or a before and after of that painting – That imagery, even if it's a napkin in a wall, you start to try to think what the hell is the surrounding context, the purpose of that thing? Why is it there? Why am I so confused? Whatever it is, you like want there to be more games as a totally separate entity from that evolution. There is there's like it's a it's a we call it play, right? It's there's an element of like you jump in there and there's like there's artificial constraints, there's rules you're supposed to try to accomplish a thing. So there's a set of goals in place. And it it wasn't originally games were not about representing uh, a story. It was about putting you in some sort of competitive context. Right. Which we already, in one way, we do live in a competitive context at the most fundamental level. in that there's there's resources. Like, I need to get food. There's other people that need to get food. If there's not enough for both of us... We're gonna have to play a game to figure out who wins and gets that food. So games are sort of like echoes in one perspective of that real world reality. (laughs) That real world reality. (laughs) reality. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! What's the difference between
1: real world reality and base reality?
0: (laughs) God damn. Okay, fine. Games are echoes of natural reality.
1: (laughs) So okay, yeah.
0: That's in that's in one like limited scope. So they they take into account like the real competitive nature of surviving in reality when there are limited things, and you have to compete. That's totally separate. We we could make a, a separation. They're connected
1: from that. to that in some way because a lot of the times yeah. games have artificial rules and scarcity, right? So okay, uh, we, games are very difficult to define. Like I'm kind of messing with you a bit. <laughs> there because so actually jesse shell who's pretty well known as for writing the art of game design and also has his own game production company okay so has a whole chapter about how do you define a game and the art of game design right. and i suggest a lot of people read that it's pretty fascinating but the takeaway is that it's actually pretty fucking hard to define And at some point you might even get frustrated of like what why are we even doing this? Like who even Mm. who even cares and how do definitions help us? But they help us in creating a language, right? Yeah. So the takeaway from that is that it's not easy. And sitting here right now, uh, honestly I feel like it would be best to like go through that chapter, everyone as like (laughs) let's all read this together to, to try to define what a game means. It's not an easy feat but i do think that there is an obvious difference between games and this other
0: representation
1: sure we'll call it representation now it's also known that the game industry gets really frustrated by people trying to make games into stories or like it's it's literally like a, a comedy for some people when they try to have like okay there's the the category for who wins best narrative game yeah so there's a big historical struggle here between what is the benefit of a game where do stories fit into that and what what is play where do stories and representation fit into quote unquote play or games
0: how about the example of something like chess Mm -hmm. it's very easy to look at that and imagine a battlefield a bunch of entities and it's very easy to imagine parallels of that to real battles that had happened in the past or may have so in this i think this is why it's actually hard if you try to completely isolate games from uh representation as like stories because games in themselves kind of have a bit of a story arc to them
2: mm-hmm. at a
0: fundamental level so they're not i don't know that you can actually separate them from representation it's like it's not so much that a game is about the visual it's actually about uh representing the the dynamics between entities in mm-hmm. a situation so it's a it's a non-visual representation and in that way it's almost non-visual art
1: Hmm. I love what you're saying about the whole story thing. And a few things come to mind. So if you think about sports, Mm -hmm. well, sports and competition, people like that just Mm -hmm. at at face value. But when you add something like the story of the underdog or the story of a player who had a rough background or upbringing, who made his way or her way to get to a certain point and master their sport people love the story mm-hmm. that surrounds a sport team or that surrounds a certain competition mm-hmm. and or like a that uh, olympian who fell and and broke her ankle as she landed in yeah. gymnastics and stood back up i mean people uh, related I know that people loved with the people who made Mist. they loved the mm-hmm. story of the creators, that they were brothers and that they were working together and that the story represented brothers yeah. going through this adventure together.
0: So, okay, this is – so, at the fundamental level, I actually don't – now that we're talking through this, I don't think we should try to totally isolate uh, game mechanics, which are really sort of uh, representations of real-world mechanics – um, in a simplified concept um, or or in simplified set of rules and environment, um, just like art does not, act, or sorry, not art, just like a visual, like a painting or a book, does not actually reflect the reality of that story in its full detail. It is a simplification of it. It's an abstraction. It's you can't even a photograph, like a a, a life like photograph taken by a camera is not the full picture it's just a small frame of that picture and you get close enough and you're like oh there's details that you can't actually see here i can't actually move closer to the things i can't see what's outside of the frame it's always a representation of that reality in some more digestible context so games are like a simplification of the real complexity of competition or interplay between entities things So when we get when we move from like movies to video games in the modern era, it's like the the real crux there is almost starting to feel like it's the observer getting to take part in that game again. But there is a much more rich uh, visual or auditory uh, supplement there, a, a much more rich representation than you would get from something like chess perhaps, mm-hmm. um, or playing Go or even playing baseball or something like that. Like a modern game, a competitive game, a video game still takes all of those same elements, but it it viscerally combines both. It takes in those game mechanics and it takes in all of the representation from, from visuals and description and storytelling in that other tradition and combines them into one. And then you've got these extremely muddy waters of well, what does anything mean in that space? Because the observer has the has the ability to do things. They have I, – I think the difference is that they still have agency. I, I feel like that is a key difference at that transition point.
1: Well, right. I mean to me that's – so the agency is a bit obvious, right? So this is the first time – all of this is coming back to – this is the first time I believe we're introducing play – into mm. the cat, in, uh, into the the thing, the mediums we are talking about because we weren't talking about games. We were talking about written word, right? S- various forms of storytelling, representation through art, then movies, and up until video games, we were not talking about games or play. Yeah, games have their own situation going on, and video games have this weird mix of both. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about with okay what does it do what do video games do for you versus chess is actually really interesting because i think that is very much a parallel to what is vr in many ways doing for us versus a real life experience mm. and i think it does have to do with something like okay yes it's visceral or it's it's bringing it's putting it's bringing something to life in some way but like what is that really doing for you
0: is it the it's the dynamic nature of the world that you were that you were observing so if it if you're watching a movie it's very visceral there are gameplay elements and everything involved in that story because there's different entities interacting and all of these struggles and whatnot but you can imagine and fill in details in that world all you want but it doesn't affect the external representation the external medium that you are observing as soon as you enter, as soon as you add in the ability to interact with that world in a video game, then suddenly your your real-time actions affect the world that you are perceiving. And it, you enter a feedback loop that yeah, so, it was not there before. Okay,
1: so I get that, but that actually wasn't my question. I no. wasn't saying compare it to movies. I was saying compare it to other games. So... So, yes, it's clear that mm. you get more agency and control in video games when you literally have none in in most movies, like let's ignore the new or like, you know, any, choose any your own adventure books and and shows that happen to exist here and there. Right. But when you compare video games to other games, what does it give you? Why do you like video games versus sports or something like that?
0: I f- I feel like comparing a video game to A sport, it's like if you were to compare um, a book to a movie versus a baseball game to a video game where you are, you're, you're engaging in a medium that has more like visceral input as far as how it's representing the world. So you have to imagine less of that actively, at least from that visual perspective, Mm. whereas like. A book, you're you're reading through the story, there's still all of those different dynamics and gameplay sort of elements of the characters in it. And then you move to a movie, and all those story interactions and dynamics and gameplay among the characters still exist. There's just there's added uh, visual richness in their representation. Is that
1: a I, I get what you're saying? I'm pressing because just Saying that you're adding visual richness doesn't seem to really do it for me.
2: Okay.
1: So because I'm, again, projecting into the future and to us all of this leading to what is the benefit of VR. And if we just say there's a lot of visual richness, it's like, "Mm, does that really sell it? And I'm just trying to really understand in detail.
0: Yeah, like what it, I, I know. What, so, is, what is... So well, what's what is interesting
1: the... about what you just said is mm. that it made me think back on what I did say the difference was between books and movies. And I said mm. one is that uh, movies are easier. Are video games easier than, let's say, sports, for example? Uh, you could also use other games. And I think... Well, when you start to get talk about physical stuff,
0: that's a totally different. It feels side different, of, but nevertheless,
1: yeah. I feel like uh, some people would be like, "Oh, obviously, sports are hard. You have to actually train and do all this stuff." But like, what do you think? Why do you think people are making millions of dollars playing esports or other versions of or that famous video game? It's a
0: it's a, def- a different side of physicality.
1: Yeah, it's a totally different. So it all takes practice. It all takes strategy. It, in many ways, they're all the same. So really, is it easier? Probably not. So maybe that would force me to look back on my whole... If it's if you're likening it to the difference between books and films, maybe I'm wrong about the whole easy thing. Yeah, I, so, I,
0: I feel like saying that one is easier is... Not is the right the over- description. Yeah.
1: But, okay, so think about it as like maybe related to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If one thing is taken care of, what does it do for the next thing? So if your effort in reading a book is to visualize it then you can't focus on something else all of your capacity is taken up to visualize or imagine yeah. but if that visualization is filled then what's next then maybe you're thinking maybe it enables you to escape faster and what does escaping faster do well if you escape escape into the world faster maybe you can have an emotional reaction faster, which is actually very true because movies are shorter than books. Books take mm-hmm. a really long time to get through to immerse that, so. yourself. And then you come away with a lot of the same things you come away with when you watch a good movie or, or you know, along those lines. So maybe yeah. it has something to do with that. So maybe with video games, it's different from other games in that you're not doing that like you had brought up the example of chess or there's certain you probably are adding some story where you have like the knights and the queens or you're, you're adding something to that already. And maybe what video games do are they, they enhance all that. They give you this ability of like, okay, you can do have all those challenges that more, I'll call it simpler without, that's not the right word, but you know, a more, um, uh, uh reduced games do without the visuals and all of that, but it's adding it's enabling you to just have more mechanical story, games, yeah, so you're adding more story and visuals around that game but what does that what does that really do for you? what does enriching what why do you like enriching visuals
0: like why do I like playing uh a Skyrim type game more than playing something like chess. Yeah. Or why do I do it more often? Yeah. Um. Or let's 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 take Minecraft because it's more. It's more. Because we just obvi- love talking about yeah, Minecraft. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> all- I was excited to talk about Skyrim. Okay, for fine. Once. We'll talk
0: about Skyrim then. Uh, it's the no, same, you can the do same-
1: Minecraft if it's going to help help your point. Yeah,
0: well, I not for the. It's it's actually not much different. Um, with with chess, I am not imagining. I'm not even remotely imagining some grand narrative around all of my different pieces moving through that field as they are going against the other player, the other army. Um, because you're you're very much focused on the low level of just what are what are their next moves like what are they trying to plan you are focused on like an imaginary narrative of what is this other entity this other person thinking what are what is their sort of strategy how are they going to try to take advantage of me um and maybe they are going to try to like catch my my king or whatever over here because they're starting to move all these different pieces but if I, if you abstract up to the point of, all right, take care of imagining all of that and put me into Skyrim, uh, which is this sort of like RPG, this very rich world and environment. And I don't have to – at that point, I am then given a very visceral representation of a world and there's all these different entities there. And it it allows you to then worry about – things that are not necessarily just strategic i mean it's not even that you're you're still worrying about strategic things you're still you're you're just worried at a different level you your your scale of focus changes rather than looking at this game board and looking at wooden figures and i'm trying to figure out where they're going to move you're thinking about what is uh what are what is the this particular opposing uh faction on the other side of the map planning to do or like where might bandits plan to uh, jump out from uh, on this road as Mm -hmm. I'm wandering between these two different points. And I know that this person I talked to before up in the mountains gave me these goals to wander to the other side and and meet with this mage's college in the far north. So I need to get there. And there's all these different pieces at play and and potential dangerous elements or things that could come into that equation and affect my ability to do what i'm Mm. trying to do or i'm more in a telic state or sorry a paratelic state where i'm literally just kind of this place is so beautiful. I'm just wandering around. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just, just wandering nature. I feel a part of this world that feels living around me, and I'm not goal-oriented right now. I'm not trying to accomplish something. I'm just exploring. Mm-hmm. I'm in a telic mood. Can you get into a telic mood in chess?
1: Of course. I mean, uh, well, the whole idea of how, telic is that you're trying to accomplish a goal. Oh,
0: sorry. Sorry. Maybe. Sorry. Paratelic. Can you get into a paratelic state of mind in chess?
1: Where you're just enjoying the experience? Maybe you're if you're not worrying really good about, at it. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't like feel I, like I have a good answer.
0: I I feel like it's a lot more like you have to automate so many you would have to have such a higher level of automation of the activity of playing chess that you're just not worried about specific intent as you're playing chess. Hmm. You're just kind of moving in reaction to things through like patterns that you've learned over time and you're not even, you don't even have to think about it. So like maybe conceivably somebody could do that. Maybe I do that while I'm cooking sometimes. Hmm. I'm just like, I'm just grabbing things and I know kind of what works. and I don't even have to think about it. And it's, it's like a therapeutic sort of activity, mm-hmm. but, and that, so that becomes kind of a, a telic or a paratelic activity. But for some people, it's very, it takes a lot of mental work to think about what they're going to throw into a pot mm-hmm. and like, oh God, what if all these things don't work together? Cause they're, they don't necessarily, they haven't automated those tasks in mm-hmm. their mind yet. Um,
1: it's all in the, the eye of the beholder in some ways is what you're saying.
0: It, it's it's in the the types of activities in that space that you have that you have abstracted away that your brain has learned how to do without thinking. Mm-hmm. So in an environment like Skyrim or in Minecraft or something like that, a, a video game versus just a simplistic game, a more simplistic mechanical game, you're focused very much on the mechanics of it, and for most people that takes your entire focus. Mm. Whereas in an environment like Like a Skyrim, where it's this open-ended world, there are periods of time in that perceived world where you are you transition from a play mode to a very focused and goal-oriented mode, and back to a play mode. And you don't necessarily need goals in that space, Uh, and then and then other times you do. It's like it it almost what it's doing is introducing the sort of fluid complexity of an actual world outside of the constraints of a game Mm. it's almost like video games like that actually lose they they are containers for sub games Mm. they contain many sub games inside of that world but it actually is in itself a representation of not just a space like a painting Mm -hmm. um, but it also fills in temporary dynamics of like here's a bunch of different entities that are interacting hmm. here are different dynamics going on and then maybe for a little while you actually wander away from that and you're just back in this uh wandering state where there's not really any particular goal and you're just kind of exploring so it it it, it broadens out the scope it's a representation that doesn't just stick with uh with a narrow focus on mechanics like maybe a card game or something does or chess Um, and it doesn't only focus on the visual representation of a painting, um, or, or the sort of story description of the interplay of different characters and a setting of a book, but you're not just imagining that space and describing it to yourself by reading it. You're literally, you put yourself in there and then you get to, you get to actually like poke and change things in that world and like, affect it mm-hmm. just like you do in real world or in real life. It's like those types of games, once they hit the point of a visceral video game, become a reflection of a whole rich world.
1: Some of the things I'm hearing uh-huh. are it removes barriers to escapism. It opens up room for complexity.
0: It increases the complexity. It
1: in- it, op- it it increases right but I'm saying it opens up room in our minds to deal with more complexity so it in- yeah well more advanced games do this like the better it gets the more at so the more realistic games became or the more uh driven they are by interesting narrative versus like some of the more simple games when they first mm. came video games I mean when they first came out it uh increase it, it Includes more and more complexity or increases complexity because we're able to handle those things. Yeah. And that has something to do with it's making something easier on us, like the God. visuals. And okay, so I'm trying again, to I'm just, I know I'm yeah. working through this yeah. at, uh, in real time as we're talking, Same. but so, so. Where was
0: the threshold that we crossed from feeling like the previous mediums were simpler to just a reflection of reality? Of, like, the full complexity of reality, meaning that there are mechanical dynamics, there's, Mm -hmm. like, game theory involved, and there's representation, Mm -hmm. and you are a part of all of that. You're, like, muddied right in the middle of it and affecting it all and changing everything. Where did we cross the threshold from, um, from representing reality to actually stepping into it?
1: Well, it sounds like we crossed it when we talked about video games.
0: Yeah, so I, that's that's why I feel like it's it's when you give the observer the ability to directly take a part. Like, not in their imagination. You, you place the central observer, the self, into that experience and they then get to be part of the world, not just imagining themselves as part of the world. They then don't have to worry about imagining what if I was in that world. They have to imagine what are my actions potentially doing to this world? What are the things in this world interpreting my actions as and how will it affect them? And all of a sudden you're kind of like layered into That's that's when like all of a sudden yes the escapism aspect comes in. You keep saying that because it is kind of like it you 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 are now layering a simulated world right. on top of the one you already know.
1: So I think something that all of these All of these uh, mediums we're talking about right now are safe spaces for us to explore and to escape in some way. Now, escape is a tough word because I think we associate that with like pleasure but I'm using it for lack of a better word right now because I think that it means to, I'll, I'll use maybe instead to experience something outside of what is our normal. And so, it, or to connect with some truth. So I think there are, I feel like I have a million different like quotes that I want to read right now, but but let's just say, so so they're all safe places because they're mm-hmm. not the real world where we can, live a life through somebody else's eyes. Sometimes that is very different from our own and sometimes it's actually feels extremely close to home. So either we connect with it because it's close to home or we ca- we connect with it because it gives us a view or a pers- perspective on the world where we get to be James Bond and uh, we don't get to be that person in real life but it's a safe space to actually explore what it's like to be that person or for things to reflect a certain truth back to us Mm -hmm. that we kind of already know based on our own lives but it feels like solidarity that somebody else has gone through it as well yeah so what what games do in that safe space is they allow us to try to have control or give us uh, a place and i'm not just talking video games so Mm -hmm. They give us a place where we have very clear goals most of the time. I mean, obviously, some games are a bit loose about that or they let us explore more. Yeah. But a lot of games give us clear goals, give us a clear, like, who wins, who loses. They give us a, an understanding of the rules. Mm-hmm. And we like rules and controlled environments and a feeling of control and agency where we yeah. can then control an outcome where we win.
0: Even in games like like Skyrim where it's a whole simulated world. It is still, there are so many elements built into that that simplify the the uh, difficulty of understanding in real life. Yeah. Because you can, you take a quest or something and you go and do that thing and then you accomplish it. You bring back whatever you gained from that and you've accomplished something. Or there's a storyline. There's like a central theme that you go through and you manage to affect the world and you can see that happening in some visceral way. Whereas – reality is not always that satisfying in so many so many regards
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think that i had talked before about those three things it was some someone had written that there's psychological needs one is autonomy one is mm-hmm. relatedness or wh- however he framed connection, it connection
0: maybe uh, they maybe they said it differently
1: right and one was control or agency in life right. like to know that that what you do matters yeah and that you, well yeah and that you can affect something And so I think that movies and books, they don't give us any control. They don't give us agency. We know this for the most part. But they do give us connection where we can feel like related to the people uh, going through whatever they're going through.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And... Maybe some form. Maybe it relates to that whole autonomy thing, where we feel almost some freedom in that "quote unquote" escape, where we can like go be something without the actual repercussions of being that thing, mm-hmm. and uh, or go see what it's like, to, you know, to 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 see something we don't normally get to see, like uh, experience World War II when we didn't right. really experience it, and uh, in a safe way. And so what games do is they add that layer of, or video games at least, adds that layer of, okay, so in that same safe space where I can escape into this world and I can live vicariously or I can connect with this thing, also I'm going to add even more where I can control it in a safe space and there's clear rules and I can win or lose and I always know that there's a way to win which is one of the benefits of games. Like you you almost never have a game where it's like you just, there's, I'm sure one exists, but it's like you don't, like you lose, but you know there's a way to win, which is something we don't get in real life. We don't have that feeling. We feel like we're winning or losing and there's nothing reassuring us that we can always win, where games give us that control.
0: I don't, I mean, I I want to agree with a lot of that, but then I'm also thinking about A lot of that is very subjective. A lot of people, I'm pretty sure, go through life feeling like they're constantly losing and like there isn't a way to win.
1: Isn't that what I just said? I was saying that people go through life thinking that's why they like games, because you know that you can win.
0: I I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, I like games and I don't actually feel like, I don't think those two need to be tied together is what I'm saying. I don't feel like there's no way to win at life. Um, winning is a, is a, to me is a temporary contained situation that you come out on top of. And then after that there, you're confronted with whatever the next situation is. And like the previous win doesn't actually matter at that point anymore. It's, it's contained. Um, and so I view regular life like that. I don't, games don't actually mean much to me on that because of that regard. They're not different in that regard. Um, so I don't, I don't know that. That association necessarily.
1: Hmm. Distinguishes. Do you prefer games over movies?
0: Um. Yes, kind of. Why? Because movies feel more passive, and I like playing a part.
1: Why do you like playing a part?
0: Uh, I don't. I don't. Movies are not. I don't want to say games are superior to movies. They they are they are different because specifically because i i don't have any effect on the storyline me jay i can i can temporarily project myself into the the environment and observe these characters and whatnot i maybe i can even go to the length of i feel like this happens more often when i read a book but you can go through the length of of watching a movie and feeling like you are one of those characters because you empathize with them so strongly But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much I think about it. The storyline of that movie doesn't change. I Mm -hmm. can I can subjectively interpret it. It's somebody
1: else trying to tell you something.
0: It's framed. It's on rails for like you know what happens in there. You can you can observe it again and interpret it differently. But that's Mm -hmm. it's kind of the limit of the flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. That's like that's the control that that that. Artists like in mediums like movies or or a painting where – and obviously that only goes as far as you can establish the information there and then people subjectively interpret it however they want. But Mm -hmm. there's a limit. Um, Whereas in in games, there's like a stark reality that you can set up the environment that you put somebody into but then people are going to do whatever the hell they want in that space within the constraints of like the physics there that could be tetris literally like somebody can figure out a way to to uh to to basically game tetris and play it in a way that would seem like cheating and seem frustrating as hell to the person that actually built it you could also do that in something like skyrim where you do something that the original creators never intended someone to be able to do in that space but it's almost like saying uh, God never intended humans to do half the things that they do in the world, but we have the ability to just come up with these all these crazy constri- contrived things, like like eating gasoline or whatever. I like it literally anything that it seems like it would be ridiculous within that context. The the bounds of what is reasonable there kind of break down because of how freeform it is.
2: Hmm.
0: So like the representation in that environment in that space really gets boiled down to what is the the setting that you put in place and then what are the limits of that that entity that character the person to go in there and actually affect the environment and change it. Because Minecraft is so interesting there because you can literally just everything everything can be changed, rebuilt. Yeah reconfigured
1: it's this is so fascinating to me because i feel like that's why i don't like minecraft i'm like oh my god
0: it's overwhelming it's
1: overwhelming there's too many options i don't know what the point is what about real life i just want something to be handed to me that i can i don't know like i prefer movies to games so i'm the other i think side you, of that it
0: sounds like you look at it as a totally different thing like it, it you don't if you're it sounds like you have one particular thing that you get out of movies and that's not what you get out of games which i don't blame you for i don't think they're the same
1: well just to think this through yeah. out loud yeah so there's uh so as you were saying that i'm thinking about how video games if we talk about some other lens and the million lenses we're looking at there's like effort Mm-hmm. And I think video games have the most effort so far of things we've talked about more so than reading. So like it would be like the highest is games or including video games than reading or there's probably, that's a tough one. And then movies. we're talking about agency.
0: The agency is the effort, I think. Mm, or are you talking about the like, imagination like, of the environment?
1: When I talk about effort, I'm like, how hard is it to, how do I say this? What There is something passive and easy about throwing on a movie right when i open up a book my brain turns into a certain mode that's more active when i play a game it's even more because it's not that i'm just like reading something like i can kind of choose in some ways with a book how active i want to be or not and i'm letting it all wash over me some books are harder than others but with a game it's like it's like I'm all set up. I mean, if you watch videos of people playing this is what would tell you. <laughs> what does somebody's face look like
2: uh-huh.
1: when they are playing a video game, reading or watching a movie? And I swear playing video games is like the obvious. Like people's faces look like they are in pain half the time. Or like they're <laughs> la like they're going through a lot and yeah. they are very focused. And there's actual proof of this. I think this woman did this who uh or at least she talked about this. We can link it, but there was this talk about how games move us. Um, I'm blanking on the woman's name, but she also wrote a book about this. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's pretty fascinating. And in her talk, she shows some other study about somebody videotaping people playing games and their faces just mm. look like crazy. Yeah. And just by that, it's like you could argue that video games take more effort or they're more involved just by how our faces look when we're playing them.
0: I, I feel like it's probably an oversimplification because I would I would immediately want to know what kind of games were they playing in that research? Were they playing something that took a lot of focus because it does not take a lot of focus to wander around an open world video game. And it it's almost like it's not fair to call Minecraft and Tetris video games. One of the, because one of them, I mean, you, you have agency in both, meaning you are directly deciding where does that block go? Cool. Where does that block go? And then in Minecraft, you're also (laughs) funnily enough, you're also working with blocks because the whole world's made out of blocks, Mm -hmm. but it's there. It's like, it's so much more free form and you can do anything. You can literally, you can not focus half the time. What I do in Minecraft when I play that is just wander. I'm like, ah, wow. It's so pretty. That look at that giant valley and like oh my gosh there's crazy mountains over there and hmm. whoa look at that cave holy shit this is amazing or other times I am very focused because I'm trying not to die by being eaten by skeletons or like I'm trying to very carefully place some blocks to yeah. build a mansion. Even
1: your de- the way you described exploration sounds like way more effort to me than watching a movie and here is why you're already deciding. Which direction you're going to walk in and like observing things in each area and deciding a feeling about it rather than being presented with just like a shot of what you're supposed to be looking at.
0: What do you mean what you're supposed what do you do? What do you do that's in what real I'm, life?
1: No, I'm saying I'm talking I'm not talking about real life. I'm talking but, about the difference between movies and games.
0: That's what I'm that's what I'm saying, is like do you
1: in real life? Yes, it's literally harder to walk around and explore and look at caves than it is to watch a movie and sit on my couch eating okay. popcorn, drinking wine with <laughs> pictures presented to okay. me.
0: Okay, yes, abs- okay, that, yeah.
1: Okay, so basically, what we determined there's... is that I'm lazy as fuck.
0: <laughs> no, and I prefer
1: no. movies to games. Or well, to, I just to life.
0: <sighs> no, uh, okay. Yes, they I, all have a place in my heart. Totally, um, I I don't want to say one is superior, inferior, whatever. The, but the difference there is that, like in real life or in a game, there is you're literally you have to decide. At some point, I look that way. I'm gonna look that way. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna mm-hmm. focus on that block. I'm gonna focus on that block. Cool. Movies or even books, you don't you don't decide in a book that you're gonna describe that other mountain range over there or mm-hmm. that you're gonna describe the character doing yeah. a different thing. You're still on rails. Yeah, you have to uh, viscerally produce more imagery mm-hmm. and environment in your mind, but you're still on mm-hmm. a you're still on a, a track of someone else's mm-hmm. agency. They decided what the focal point was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's the. Difference. I love where you're
1: going with that. I think the word decision yeah. is one that is important, and I often hear about agency. That's what I mean. We talk by about agency, control, but... right? And it's it's true, but for some reason, the word decision seems to resonate with me okay. a bit because agency means that you have a certain control, but The next step is what do you do with that? You have to make decisions. That's really what it's all about, that you get the opportunity to make decisions that have an impact. Agency just enables that. And so it sounds to me like what you like about games is the ability to make decisions and impact things, which is like an obvious, I feel like, okay, fine. What I still don't get is why you like that. Why do you like (laughs) making decisions?
0: Uh, I think it's not that I like making decisions. It's it's that I don't, and this is very much subjective to me. I don't like not making decisions. Losing... <laughs> you know, I, I I don't like being constrained from making decisions. I don't like not having the option. Like hmm. I I would despise. I don't like being on rails as much.
1: But why? <laughs> why? God. Uh...
0: I I don't know that I mean that 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 is a I feel like this is a totally I mean a worthwhile conversation that maybe for another night but like let's put a pin in this okay let's put a pin we in can this think for later about it. okay the, so. the, the basically like what is appealing like why do some people really enjoy having more. Uh, more direction or like n- lack of or not needing to like mm-hmm. make those decisions at every point. And then other people like far less structure, mm-hmm. more chaos. I don't know what you want to call that. It's like it, it's it's like a preference of order versus chaos in mm-hmm. your in your regular environment.
1: Right. OK, fine. And bringing it back, I feel like all of this is leading to us trying to figure out how we talk about the value of xr yeah and in talking about entertainment well the idea is that it all relates to if we can't even figure out how to talk about why what is the value proposition of books versus movies versus games mm-hmm. of course it's hard to talk about what is the value proposition of vr and we just get stuck in this cycle of being like it's more it's immersive it's it's, uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> right it's like user words uh i <laughs> I think that, This is a
0: hard battle to, to slog through to get yeah, to that point, though.
1: Right, so. but so I do think that while we haven't quite solved or really been able to figure out the best words to dig into more of that, the game and the play and the benefits of decision-making and agency versus what more passive experiences or prescriptive, prescriptive experience experiences or, can do, yeah. I do personally believe... That VR and AR XR in general is meant for both. Totally, there are a lot of people who don't think that. They think that it is if you aren't using that. They basically say that the the huge differentiator for VR is that you can. It's like that. It's taking that video game a first person perspective agency and amplifying that because you have three, getting rid of 360 screen, perspective. Yeah. It in it removes even more barriers to having that experience. So I get that. I totally get that perspective and that I do agree that there is something about when it re- when it removes barriers to our imagination. There are things we can do in VR that we can't do anywhere else. I talked about this in the episode with Jude when I talked about that experience where you can fly up in the air and hang out with famous people in that uh flight one I linked it in last mm-hmm. last one's show notes if anyone's curious. so and that's the same with video games. You can literally do things yeah. you can fly. you can do things okay. that you can't do and the same with movies like all of this is really about imagination and doing things that aren't That either you can't do in real life or it's some sort of resonating, like telling you a truth that you already know where you're connecting with something that, you know, through the lens of somebody else.
0: I almost feel like we might be drawing an artificial distinction between a video game and a interactive uh, VR experience. I say that because the way that I've been thinking about it this whole time is that there are frames. Like there's there's frames in video games. There's frames in movies. Uh, books are contained within that book and then you imagine it. But when you imagine the story in a book or you imagine the setting in a painting, you take that representation and then you internalize it and the borders are gone. Mm-hmm. You associate it with all these other things that are not contained within a painting frame. They're not contained within a book physical form they're not contained within the movie screen it's all this other context and outside of the frame information that you then glom onto the idea
1: that's in the frame
0: yeah the frame is just kind of like in it inspires all of that other stuff yeah. so like it's the difference between like a video game and a movie on that track or like books and whatnot is that one is on rails um one is prescribed experience and the other one is open-ended experience where agency comes into play, it's not actually that video games in a frame are different from are so different from VR because you lose the frame it's only that it becomes easier to forget the frame
1: right but in so, VR yeah so why is that beneficial
0: what do you mean why that's why a
1: very, why does losing the frame do anything for us what is what does it do
0: getting rid of the frame makes it easier to suspend disbelief in one way of looking at this it makes it it's very hard for some people to look at an open-ended experience where you have agency and you jump into that world like uh has happened with many people in like skyrim and minecraft they're experiencing that in a screen right right but they can think back to lots of different experiences and they don't remember a screen. They remember actually being there in that place and doing things. It's not that it happened in a monitor. You can do that in VR too, but it's much easier to forget about the the artificial aspects of that experience because it's, it's more visually encompassing. It takes over your entire field of view. There is no frame anymore. So it's easier to suspend disbelief. Now, we, we talked about this earlier. I wanted to bring this up and, and it now makes sense. D&D role-playing games. There is literally no screen. There is It's all imagination. There's no book to look at. There's just a person describing things to you. So it's actually more similar to a book, but it's literally just let me describe the scene to you. Here's where you're at. What do you do? Here's your agency. Here are your rails. This is where you found yourself. This is the environment. And then here, make some decisions. Think about how you want to affect your environment. And when you look back on that experience, if you if you really got into it and you accepted that this was the world where you were at, you remember those experiences that were completely described. It's a bunch of you sitting in the middle of a living room. There was nothing actually happening. But all of you have this shared memory of this activity where you were deep underground in some crazy cavern and all of this stuff was happening and you can all talk back to that point like it actually happened there's this shared memory that took place between all of you and none of it was actually viscerally there but it's the the common element with different levels of like immersion of a video game or VR is that suspension of disbelief was reached it's a lot harder to do it in that perspective it's a little easier to do it in a video game because it's just presented to you in some capacity. And then in VR, it's even easier because your whole field of view is taken over. Maybe you're getting auditory feedback as well. Maybe you're wearing a haptic suit and you literally feel it. So in one capacity like that, VR and XR lowers the barrier to entry for someone to feel immersed in that space and like that is it is it is a uh, an extension of that ability
1: in total agreement with you one of the things that pops into my mind Mm. is um that you stop having to pretend you're actually doing something so in the DD example it's like imagine you're in this scenario and you describe it and everyone's imagining that scenario and then in vr you're saying no literally We are in this spot, look around, there's the castle, there are the goblins, we need to get past, whatever. Yeah. So,
0: I totally agree. We could paint that same picture in every single tier, every single setting, like D&D, video game, VR, same setting.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is always the case to me. (laughs) To me, I've always gotten super frustrated when people are like oh but why vr or why would you do that in this particular medium it's like what you just said is totally true to me which is that you can do a scene in all of them yeah you can apply it in any way and i'm sure there are pros and cons to all of that like when you're reading something you get so much description that it makes you think about things or picture things sometimes even better than when you're just looking at them because you're appreciating the way in which somebody decided to describe those things. Maybe
0: you're getting more immersed in it than when you were just looking at a screen.
1: Right. So I agree with that. The, the suspension of disbelief and that you stop having to pretend you get to actually do something. And I could see that being a pull, which is you want to fly. You can literally go fly. You, uh, you want to i mean I, and and i think that with it would be it's harder it's a bit harder for me to try to find the right words to describe that difference between between video games and vr because you can do all those same things but you don't get a so a great example actually might be a roller coaster you can't do a roller coaster in a video game and get that drop in your stomach but you can in vr
0: you can a little bit it's but it's Ugh. like no, uh, you
1: can 100% oh, no, get that feeling.
0: Totally. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, Because at that point, it's like, it's just how much of your field of view needs to be tricked for you to start actually physically feeling sick. Right. Um, And I, I mean, you can get up really close to a monitor and obscure enough of your view with the perspective of going down a hill or dropping off a cliff, mm-hmm. falling, whatever, that your brain will start to imagine that in, that's
1: what's happening it's like yeah, uh, in those yeah. IMAX theaters it does that
0: yeah it, there is there was a really good article on this of, of there is a there is the uncanny valley where you kind of get to a point where um you the reality the the portrayal that you're looking at feels really really close but it's just not quite close enough and mm-hmm. you're just like that's not real yeah something about that is off it's just not it's so close but it's not there and therefore, I am going to disbelieve yeah. what's happening. And then the article's whole point was that there is a second valley yeah. after the uncanny valley. And that is one in which it becomes so real that you can be aware still that you're in a simulated experience or something. And then go a little bit further and all of a sudden you're not able to disbelieve what's happening. Mm-hmm. Your body literally responds as if right. it's real and you can't stop that. It's because so much
1: suspension of... Of disbelief, <laughs> so much <laughs> suspension. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by oh, the way, we do actually that's... talk about that article also yeah. in an upcoming episode. But oh, uh, right, we did. Yeah, it. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So okay. um, that's, that's little... more context there. Yeah, a little. <laughs> so, a little plug. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I still think that there is. It's almost like I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Fucking <laughs> 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 tired, man. Oh god. What was
0: what was But the so here's point. I'll
1: will maybe what I'll I'll say something here, but we don't need to pick it up in detail. It's like for yeah. future, which is here's what's weird to me. At some point I think I brought up this book that's called uh, Understanding Comics and something it talks about is that there's this there's this difference between or the spectrum of abstract to real and we like stories that give us space to to like space between the panels like in mm-hmm. comic books where we can fill in our own story so in that sense ab- too abstract we can't follow it mm-hmm. too real and we can't insert ourselves so sometimes when you talk about that filling in that blank and making everything real where there is no, like the frame has given us those panels in a way and we mm-hmm. fill in everything else. And, uh, with books, we fill in a lot in our mind. And then with, with VR, like if it's all being filled in, well then you could almost argue that that could be a bad thing because it's becoming, it's like that uncanny, the Valley after the uncanny Valley, because it's
0: like too prescriptive. It's
1: too prescriptive.
0: That happens with, with regular stories. Like, like, if the story is too predictable, you literally are able to anticipate everything that's going to happen, and you start you you realize you're you're observing a story, right? Again, you get you get pulled out of that immersion, and mm. your disbelief comes back, and you're just like, this is just a story. This is stupid. This, they did uh, look at all these plot hooks and yeah. whatnot, and like all these different literally tools that they yeah. threw in there, and this is so fake and uh, contrived or whatever. All of a sudden, you're not able to be immersed in it anymore because it's so prescriptive that you realize you're on rails.
1: Yes. Yes. Interesting. (laughs) So I like, I think there is maybe an element of surprise here that you're talking about where I like being on rails when I like the movie, when I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Yeah. And... Or I'm just so into it, I'm just very involved in what is going to happen to this character that I'm living this through, the main hero. Mm. So now, when you get into something like video games or VR, if there's so much filled in for you and description about the world, or you can actually live in it, it maybe takes away certain elements that you fill in, or and so then... Kind of going back to that hierarchy of needs, it's like, okay, so now that you have all that, you need something else. You need that control and surprise based on what decisions you make and that agency within the world that you have where you can impact that world. It's like you need something more now.
0: There's in something like Minecraft, there's actually lack of prescribed story. Yeah. There's lots of game. There's lots of gamification. Mm. There's lack of prescribed story, though. Which if you compare it to like regular life, there is lots of gamification. There's all kinds of different incentives and motivators that you encounter that push you and pull you in different directions. There's also when you when I feel like we deal with this all the time, like when you when you enter in a situation where you don't know what the direction is, you don't know where you should go next. You don't know what your purpose is in that space. You maybe you're so overwhelmed by all the new information that that's when you run into things like imposter syndrome because you don't know what your value is Mm. Um, or you feel super out of place because it doesn't feel like your purpose is actually aligned there or you don't have direction and you just feel really anxious that you're like, where the hell am I even going? What am I doing right now? What does any of this mean? That is something that we can get, we do get relief from by watching or reading through a very like a story that is it's that balance of just prescribed enough that you feel like there's a direction things are going somewhere but it's not so contrived that you lose the ability to ignore that structure Mm -hmm. you lose the ability to imagine that this is actually a real world and suddenly you realize out now somebody built this like, this is all just architected from the top down.
1: Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want to do. <laughs> what I really wanted is to come to some sort of conclusion. Yeah, me and too. I feel like I, I just have five million more questions. I need to re listen to what we've said. We need to whiteboard some diagrams. We
0: do. You I do like really... thoughts on thoughts on thoughts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that we should just. This should be to be continued totally because I really, first of all, I'm spent or tired right now, yeah, and there's a lot to think about. I'm also very curious to hear from people listening. Like, I just want to know people's thoughts about this and if they have language or ideas that might help us work through this and really figure out how do we talk about the value of XR through examining how do we talk about the value of other related mediums because we need to understand the foundation before we understand the rest. So,
0: Yeah, because it's not so much what is the value of XR. It's actually more of a question of what is the value of mediums of gameplay and storytelling in general.
1: Or related, okay, well, what is the value of connecting with nature? Now let's add to that. Okay, so if you do something like that through this type of medium, then what is the same or different? Yeah. So I feel like we tried to tackle a lot and I, I we made
0: some progress.
1: Yeah. I, I mean,
0: I feel like I'm in a very different mental space than I was when we started.
1: Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> this is to be continued. Totally. We'll re-listen. We'll work through it. We'll continue working through it. And mm-hmm. I think also our conversations, like the continued discussions we have with guests is going to help us as well. Yeah. This will be a continued refining process. Uh, But we definitely love to hear people's thoughts and feedback, whether through our website, which is realityquestpodcast.com, through Instagram, which is at realityquestpodcast, Mm -hmm. or Twitter, which is at reality underscore quest. Genuinely, like, we'd love to hear it. We'll we'll include your thoughts in the next one. The good,
0: the bad, the ugly, everything in between. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll start yelling at you like like how I yell at Charlie when he s- shares his thoughts.
0: We basically had a whole episode just now on like in reply to Charlie. <laughs>
1: I mean maybe in in a way (laughs) shout out to Charlie love you okay I mean sweet this was
0: a good conversation yeah Uh, we we enjoy it hopefully yeah hopefully
1: you guys get something out of us and thanks for listening